This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. Live in the Maverick Center studios of the Monty Show. Good to see you on a Monday. We're back. It feels like a year since we did our last show. And major changes have begun at BYU. We'll tell you what to expect there. Can the Utah Utes actually beat USC twice? And I guess what would it be? A six-week period? Should Deion Sanders be the head coach at Colorado? And what about your... There in the other guys, Utah Jazz team. Uh, they've lost seven of nine. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, well, they're tanking. Are the Utah Jazz meeting your expectations? Furthermore, are the Utah Jazz exactly who we thought they were? Like, what did you think the Jazz were going to be? And have they disappointed you now that, in fact, they have lost? Seven of nine. That, I think, is one of the most fascinating questions of the morning. Yes. Like, who who are the Utah Jazz, and are they who you thought they were? Are you Dennis Greening the Utah Jazz this morning? Are you ready to crown them? Yeah. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to say that yet. I think I think we knew they were going to lose seven of nine. We knew that this stretch was coming for them. So I'm not going to sit here and be you know, super surprised. Like, I think, you know, every team goes through it. And, and like, frankly, again, the beauty of YouTube is you can go back. We've said it. did not think they were going to lose. Yeah, we did. We said that. We said, I've said a couple of times, like, hey, this team at some point this year is going to lose like seven to 10 or 10 of 12, or like they're going to go through that difficult stretch. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that coming up. I I didn't think that they were going to lose seven of nine this way in particular. Okay, I did that's not. Fair, yeah. I did not think that they would just be trash basketball in just about every fourth quarter that they play and go ahead and hand people wins. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think that anybody. I don't think that anybody saw them just handing the Phoenix Suns a win. Yeah. The other night, because they just handed the Phoenix Suns a win. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I I I can be on the same page with you that way. Like I don't. I didn't see them doing it this way, but I I, I don't think it's crazy or outlandish to say that. Every team, including the Warriors, to start the year, lose you know a certain amount of their games. Like they're gonna, you're gonna, you just that's just how the league works. That's going to happen. And I think yeah, the, sure. The question, the only question I have, and I was looking at some of their you know games yesterday and some of the tape and the reasons they're losing. And it's not like it's big things. Like, no, again, that, but that's the, but that's the point. Yeah, no, we'll get into the Utah Jazz. Yeah, trust me, we'll get into it. The Monty Show presented. By the Advocates, UtahAdvocates.com. If you've been in a wreck, if you have been injured, if you have social security issues, if you have workman's comp issues, if you have injury issues, if somebody hits you because they were driving distracted, don't call your insurance company. Call the Advocates, UtahAdvocates.com. Go right to their website. The best part about the Advocates is you can, you can actually chat with them right on their website. I know a lot of people... 
you know, when, it, when you've been in an accident, it's one of the most difficult times in your life. Maybe you don't want to talk on the phone. Maybe you want the convenience of online chat. Well, guess what? The Utah Advocates have that for you as well. UtahAdvocates.com. Guys, simply put, when you've been in an accident and the, the, the times are tough, you need somebody to fight for you. You need somebody to think with a clear mind. You need somebody who has been there and done what you're going through. That's the Advocates at UtahAdvocates.com. Let's start talking BYU football this morning because I think one of the things that's so interesting um, is that now that the season is essentially over and you have seen what this team is, they finished the season seven and five. Elisa Tuiaki resigns as a defensive coordinator. Changes have begun. We told you last week on Twitter, and we'll tell you now, sources at BYU told us, you know, that changes were coming and they are going to be significant. And I think when you look at football, I think football is, you know, anytime you you change coaching staffs or make changes on a staff, those are significant changes. I don't think those are the most seismic changes that are coming to BYU. I think you're going to see a lot of middle management changes. I think the the power struggle that has been going on inside the BYU, um, you know, athletic program, the the this battle between the financial people and the sports people at BYU Athletics, somebody's won and somebody's lost. And there's a real good chance you don't know the names that are involved. You don't know the players. But let's be straight about it. Change has to happen at BYU. If this team is ever going to get to the top of the Big 12, change has to happen. If BYU football is ever going to have a seat at the college football playoff table, major changes have to happen both on the coaching staff but in the administrative side of the the business end of BYU athletics. And I think that's where the biggest changes have been made. It has been described to me and frankly to us um, over the last two months by multiple boosters and sponsors, people who spend their hard-earned money to support BYU football, that they're not going to spend their hard-earned money to support BYU football anymore, not because of the team, but because of the administrators on the sponsorship side. Something has to give. And Jake, I think the you know the resignation of Elisa Tuiaki is just the beginning. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think the resignation of Tuiaki is just the poster child for for what's to come. You know, I, I think that in college football, it's a very complicated sport. You know, when you look at you know, you know the name Tom Homo, but you don't know all the people below Tom who do all this different stuff that inevitably impacts the program. And that, to me, is the is sort of the, the wild card, the X factor in great programs, really successful programs, and programs that tend to be average or tend to not get to where they want to go. And I think it's, you know, timing, in my opinion, is really unfortunate for this because you are heading into the Big 12. Like, it would have been great if you didn't have any of these issues and you were a 10-win team this year and everything was perfect. But unfortunately, that's not where you're at right now. And so I I think waiting to make these changes is also a foolish thing to do. Like, you're heading into the Big 12. You need to make changes. You need to be aggressive about those changes. Things need to change. So to me, when, yeah, you have people telling us that, hey, we're not going to spend money. And anytime money's impacted, I'll just say this, anytime money's impacted, you know that there are problems because money flows really well through college football. I think we all know that. 
So when when people, boosters, whatever, start to say, hey, we're not going to spend money on this program because of the way this or that is going down it, you know, inside the program, you know you have issues. So to me, like when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, you know, a month ago about, hey, should they fire Tuiaki now? Like, you know, is Ed Lamb in trouble? Like, you know, these these defensive side of the ball guys, when everyone's like, oh, the defense sucks, you should fire all them. It's a bigger conversation. And that to me, I'm not going to say it feels daunting, but I think it's just time to sort of get to it, you know, because you want to head into the Big 12 and you want to fast track success in the Big 12 as quickly as possible. Because, because again, I don't think it's an option to not be good in the Big 12 for like five years. Like you probably have like two seasons where you could be average, but then you kind of got to get on with it. So this is where that process starts, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think, I'm not going to say you're overdue here, but I think there's a couple of things that are very clear. Um, and one of those is that there is major dysfunction um, in the in the support system at BYU. I think um, the, the, the conversations that we've had on this show previously and the conversations we have, you know, we have touched on don't even begin to describe the dysfunction at BYU. I mean, when you have longtime sponsors, when you have longtime boosters and supporters that spend real money at BYU, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars at BYU, when you have that caliber of sponsors saying, you know, we're not, we're just not going to do that anymore because we don't like the way we're being treated. We don't like the way that things are being done. That's a huge problem. And I think what you're seeing is, the trickle-down effect of things like the Built Bar deal that that was so transformative for BYU athletics. That's kind of where it stopped, though. Those, those groundbreaking deals haven't continued. That growth in NIL, there's been no organization. There's been no money-making machine put in place. And I think people assume because BYU was groundbreaking and out in front on, on NIL that things would just continue to roll and the wheels and the rails would be greased uh, and the money-making, it, 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 it never happened. It never happened. And it's because people have this myth about control, that they've got to have control. And I'm the decision makers. And I think what people found out the hard way is that control is a myth. And at BYU, you've either, you're either winning football games because everybody's pulling the rope in the same direction, or the rope gets tattered like it did this year. You continue to see on the field you know, the defense was an absolute joke this year. I think Thanks. I think people knew this was going to be an issue. But if you're if you're making money and you're winning games despite the defense, Elisa Tuiaki and the friends of the program can keep their jobs. But when you're not and when your kicker can't make a kick and and you know, guys like Ed Lamb, those guys have to be called to account. Elisa Tuiaki has to be called to account. He resigned from the program the other day, which is exactly the right thing to do. Yeah. But that's just the the beginning. I think what you're going to see in the football department is I think Jan Jorgensen's probably going to have a role change. I think he's probably going to get more responsibility. Kalani Sataki does not like being dictated to when it comes to hiring on the coaching staff. I think we all saw that with the Tiesman. I think that that Kalani Sataki wants his guys on his coaching staff, and I think you're going to see that. The question is, what other changes is Kalani Sataki willing to make? A lot of people have brought up the strength and conditioning department at BYU, specifically for BYU football, that they don't train 
um, their football players to be, you know, position specific. And that's a real problem when you're talking about trying to win games at the Big 12 level. Look at what happened at Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley leaves there. Venable steps in and everybody thought this was going to be easy. Well, it turns out it's not easy because the Big 12 is a meat grinder. When you look at the bottom of the conference, hell, you look at TCU in the college football playoff, that tells you a lot about the quality and the depth. And I think it's shocking quality and depth. When you look at TCU, nobody saw an undefeated season coming out of TCU. I don't Mm -hmm. care what anybody says. But you look at Kansas and K-State, you look at some of the teams that were really surprising in this conference, that tells you the quality and depth. Not of basketball in the Big 12, but of football. And I think if you are BYU and you have aspirations of shortening that learning curve, that is inevitable, and it is always steep when you join a a major conference and as much success as you had as an independent, I think it's going to be very difficult to replicate that success if you do not see significant changes both on the coaching staff and in the business end of of things at BYU. Yeah, and I wonder how these changes impact, you know, really important topics like the transfer portal and your ability to get guys. How do they impact, you know, the money that comes to the program? Like, it went when, because it's not if anymore, when these changes go through the program, you know, is that a positive change or is that, does that, long, in a long-term sense, does that negatively impact the program? That's what I think is on the line here because, again, you know, you have, you know, we all remember when, you know, guys like Kyle Whittingham or like David Shaw the other day or like these major names, these major head coaches talking about the transfer portal and everything that goes on with that. Like, that's a very controversial thing. So the, what I'm getting to here is these changes, if you're not in alignment, you know, from top to bottom through your program on things like the strength and conditioning program or the transfer portal or what kind of defense you want to run or, you know, whatever the case may be, you're not going to be successful. And and so I, I wonder now that the changes are here and they're happening, how long has it been this way? You know, because obviously, like we just said, you know, we've had this information for a little while now, but I wonder, has it been, has it been two, three years? Has it been, you know what I mean? Like how long have you been dealing with this? Like who could you have been if if things had been a little different that's what i always go to and that's why i say these changes are really important and if you get this right you could be really successful in the big 12 inside of you know three four seasons and i think that's again a really important thing to keep in mind when you notice these things happening yeah i think you have to look up and down this this coaching roster it's guys like preston hadley it's guys like and you know, honestly, Elisa Tuiaki had such a big, you know, what's the right way to say it? He had such a big influence over the other coaches on the staff. The question is, who's the next defensive coordinator? Because if you're if you're going outside of the ecosystem at BYU to find a defensive coordinator, is a guy like a Preston Hadley going to keep his job? You know, as a guy who works with defensive ends, I mean, that's a really important role. The pass rush is, is a massive problem at BYU. How much of that is on Preston Hadley? How much of that is on Elisa Tuiaki? How much of that is on your inability to keep that defensive line healthy? How much of that is on the, the, the group as a collective? How much of that is on Kalani Sataki, who I think we all know is a defensive guy? So if you look up and down the roster and, and you look at guys like Kevin Clune, were the linebackers really a problem? Well, I would tell you the linebackers weren't really a problem this year at BYU outside of the fact you couldn't keep them healthy and yeah. on the field. Yeah, That was a problem with the linebackers, and that's not on a Kevin Clune 
That's more on your, your strength and conditioning guys. And so if, if you look at uh, Nu'u Tafisi, who is the, the you know, head of strength and conditioning, now you got to start asking yourself, are we doing this the right way? And the frustrating part about this conversation about strength and conditioning, it goes all the way back to Bronco Mendenhall, mm-hmm. like deep into his tenure, you know, the major changes. And then they, you know, they, they, they hire a, a strength and conditioning coach and we're all, you know, just marveling at how different things are. And they're describing the basics of strength and conditioning that were never happening at BYU that are not happening now depending on who you believe and what you listen to. Hey, are the you know, are you getting defensive backs and defensive linemen and offensive linemen strength training together? Well, that's a problem. Right? But it's just this vicious cycle and and I wonder how much of this now waits on the bowl game. And I wonder how much of this now waits on the season to really have a, you know, some finality to it. Because seven and five is not a good season by anybody's measure. Mm-hmm. That, that, that it just isn't. If you don't win ten games at BYU, you didn't have a good season, and that's exactly where the bar should be. If you're the Utah Utes, if you're not playing for a Pac-12 championship, you didn't have a good season. They had arguably one of their most difficult and and on paper one of their worst seasons in recent memory. Utah. Nobody felt good about where this team was at but they're playing for a Pac-12 championship and a, a spot back in the Rose Bowl. And so you can argue that Utah had a good season. There's no way to argue that BYU had a good season. Yeah, and I have to imagine these, uh, like when you when you ask the question of, you know, are all these changes, is this like, you know, is there essentially like an avalanche of change just waiting for the bowl game to be to be completed, you know, like in, in, I have to think on some level, yeah, there is like these conversations are happening. You're telling me that Kalani Sataki is not going up and down his coaching chart right now saying, okay, Hey, like, just like you did, like, Hey, this guy, you know, this guy did a good job with what he controls, but he was held down by the fact that his guys were all hurt. So let's look here or there. Like though that, like that's happening, you know? And, and, and that's why I say like, I, I, you know, I see all the noise about, oh, you got to go and, you know, talk to Bronco about being a defensive coordinator. I, I don't think Bronco would even humor a defensive coordinator role. That's not where he's at in his career. Like, if I was Bronco Mendenhall, I wouldn't be looking at that. I'm a head coach, right? So, to me, it's not as simple as just is digging up an old name Mm-mm. and bringing him back into the program. That's not how this works. And and I'm telling you, the the you have to get to a place where you're recruiting at a really high level through the transfer portal. I don't give a damn if there are teams doing it illegally until it's legislated better, until there are more rules around it. Legal or illegal. You're either leveraging the transfer portal or this is the Deion Sanders conversation. Yeah, exactly. You know, like it it, it is that BYU, for better or for worse, is not everybody's cup of tea. It just is what it is. But we've known that for a hundred years. Sorry, folks, that's what it is. Not every player belongs at BYU. BYU is not for every player. That doesn't mean you don't call them and say, "Hey, hey, uh, you know, Deion Sanders, your son's a really great quarterback. We'd love to have him come visit BYU." Mm-hmm. Is Deion Sanders' son was he ever going anywhere but Jackson State? He wasn't. Should you have called anyways? You should have, right? Like you, you, you don't. It's what Bronco always said. We don't use the the honor code for instance we don't use the honor code as an excuse we use it as a tool in our recruiting bag that's exactly what it is 
when, when, when you make these excuses about things like the honor code, or you know, we make these excuses about lifestyle, and it is what it is. You know what you're getting into at BYU. You, and again, not to play the two off of each other, the student experience at Utah and the student experience at BYU are two completely different deals. Thanks. They're just two completely different deals. If a kid wants to go drink beer, have sex, and play football, you're probably not going to BYU. Yeah. Now, are there some who drink beer, have sex, and play football at BYU? There are. There Absolutely there are. But that is not the prototypical kid who's looking for that college experience. The prototypical kid who it, it comes to BYU is, is not Jamal Williams. That's not who the prototypical football player is at BYU. They are more Harris LeChance. They are more Isaac Rex. They are more Jaron Hall. They are more, you know, LDS-based football players who have always had an eye towards BYU. The kid you have to win, um, you know, frankly, is the Zach Wilsons of the world. You cannot allow, cannot allow them to go to Boise. They come to BYU, they compete for Heismans, and they get drafted number two in the NFL draft. Yeah. Those are the wins you have to have. And Kalani has shown you the ability to do that. But it certainly does not help when your when your branding department and your ad sales department and your corporate sponsorship department can't get on the same page with the athletic department. That certainly does not help. And the 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 issues that you see with guys like Jamal Williams, with guys like Harvey Unga, and now you see the redemptive story of Harvey Unga, like those guys are critically important to the pipeline. But Ask a lot of BYU alums. There's a lot of alums right now who don't feel welcome in Provo. They don't feel welcome there. You know, like, again, I, I look at, I point to John Madsen at Utah. You know, watching watching the Barton family play on Sundays and, and Lander Barton exploding on the scene at Utah. And that's because a guy like John Madsen helped recruit them. He physically trained them. John's one of the elite, you know, trainers in the world. He trains them physically. They wind up kicking ass at, at Utah. Like, you have that pipeline. The closest to that is probably John Beck, mm -hmm. right? Who I think ran the alumni flag out this weekend, if I, I could be wrong. But I think it was this weekend he ran the alumni flag. You know, you you look at guys like John Beck, they're working with Jaron Hall in the offseason because now John is one of the most influential quarterback coaches in the country. So you look at a guy like John Beck, but is that enough? It's probably not enough. Mm -hmm. You've got to make wholesale changes to the system that is in place at BYU because it is dysfunctional. Because you're pushing out the, 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 the guys who build community. You're pushing out the people that pipeline guys like, you know, like guys like Harris LeChance is a great example. Yeah. He was, he always wanted to play at BYU. But too often, that guy's not going to BYU anymore, right? And it, it's it's no longer, hey, we don't have any more linebacker scholarships, right? That That's no longer the argument. You've got to fix the system that has been in place probably back to before Bronco, but certainly during Bronco's time and now during Kalani's time that is just dysfunctional enough where you're starting to lose kids in recruiting that you really shouldn't lose. Yeah. You're losing sponsorship and corporate dollars that you really shouldn't lose. 
you're losing that support base in the community, in the Salem's of the world, in the Orem's of the world, in the Lehi's of the world, in the footholds, the trenches, the, the absolute hotbed of BYU football is now very vulnerable. Yeah. And it's because we've lost the relationship-based football program that was BYU, that made BYU so strong, that meant that BYU could actually go to East High School, if you understand the landscape here in Utah, could go to East High School and recruit. That, that, re, that relationship-based football community that formed the Poly Pipeline, that, that is not such a secret anymore, that put great kids on the field at BYU in Utah, but now they're going other places. They're going to USC. They're, they're going to UCLA. They're going to Oregon. You're, you know, and, and how did the Nakua's ever not play at BYU? Yeah. How, how does that happen? When you have great schools, when you have Harriman High School or you have Timpanogos and you have all these great football programs. Yeah, you're like standing in your own way, essentially. The corner canyons of the world. And they're not pipelined to BYU. That's a problem. That is a problem. And I don't know how you fix that. I guess that's, I guess that's the biggest thing. Uh, 625 Monty in the morning talking BYU football. Thanks to our friends at barbecue pit stop. Um, you guys were amazing over the weekend, by the way, before I get to all your comments, I see, I see you guys there. The, everybody that was, you know, sending us pictures of your Turkey on the smoker, um, all the pictures of the Asado seasoning on Twitter, like on Instagram, like just really good to see community-based support. <laughs> I joke, but I don't joke about the guys at Barbecue Pit Stop. They're phenomenal. You know, anytime we're talking football on this show, it's thanks to our friends at Barbecue Pit Stop. Um, five Utah locations, you know, from Logan and Layton, Murray, uh, obviously Steve and the guys, Clinton and the guys at Lehigh um, in St. George, like just a really good group of entrepreneurs that got together to create the biggest, baddest, barbecue smoking community in the country. And yeah. that's exactly what it is. You got to get on board at bbqpitstop.com. Whether it is the world famous now Asado seasoning that I feel like we are single-handedly responsible for. Yeah. Um, whether it is your turkeys, your ribs, your, your briskets, your wings, certainly. Your Papa Murphy's pizza on the smoker. I'm <laughs> telling you, if you're not using a pellet smoker, you're not a man. You're not alive. You're not... I don't believe, and I could be wrong, and medical tests will be required. I don't believe. If you're still using charcoal briquettes or propane, I just don't believe that you have any testosterone in your body. Where are we at in society today? I could be wrong. There, right. are, te there are tests to verify it. But if you're not using a pellet smoker, a Traeger, a Yoder, a big green egg, you're, doing, you're doing it wrong, man. I'm telling you, you're doing it wrong. Get to Barbecue Pit Stop. Get online. No matter where you listen to this show, you can find their website at bbqpitstop.com. Uh, uh, Jeremy Severe uh, says, it's so interesting that BYU has an elite business school and yet forgot business one-on-one in the football program. It's all about relationships. It's shocking, Jeremy. So true, yeah. Because it, it, is, it is so easy to get off track. And, you know, it's so funny. I was talking to a bunch of radio people Friday and Saturday you know, you just go through these odd seasons of your life where you're like, oh, hey, yeah, this guy reached out to me on Instagram or this guy hey guys. hit me on LinkedIn or, 
And there's been this big conversation over the last probably six months in the radio industry about negativity and thought control. Uh huh. And this, this, essentially this paradoxical conversation about radio is eating itself alive. The actual business of radio, because everybody's bought into this idea that radio is dying. I happen to be one of them. It's why we're on YouTube every day. But one of the things, and the reason I bring this up is, is that negativity is an awfully difficult train to stop. Once that train gets rolling down the track, and once that train of negativity and dysfunction gets rolling down the track, it's impossible to stop without really painful, difficult relationship level changes. Yeah, You're seeing that at BYU now. You're seeing that this, this negativity, oh, we can't do this because X guy in sponsorship screwed my guy over here at Jimmy and Pat's you know, produce company. Those are the kind of conversations that are happening. Hey, this guy has supported the program for over a decade and we lied to his face. And, you know, like there is a, <laughs> there is a story and I'm going to make up an example, but trust me when I tell it, when, when I tell you, you know, the people that are involved, if I told you their names. So this guy makes widgets. He is the best widget maker in Utah. Uh-huh. He goes to BYU and he says, I want to be the official widget maker at BYU. Right. Okay, great. Let's do it. So for the last 10 years, these folks have been the official widget maker at BYU. But over that 10-year period, some new folks came into the, the money-making machine at BYU. The corporate sponsorship, the, the ad you know, partnership positions at BYU. Right. And they have some really close personal friends that make widgets. Now, they're not nearly as good as the widgets of our guy that has been a widget maker for a generation and is the best widget maker in Utah. Pretty much everybody agrees. This dude's widgets are the best in the business. That's right, T. But this other subpar widget maker, he's friends with the right people. So all of a sudden, when the BYU football team needs somebody to make them widgets... Do they go to the guy who's been a longtime supporter who's put his own money into the football program and he's provided widgets whenever he was asked? No, they go to the sponsorship guy's close personal friends who make widgets, not well. And then unfortunately, the guy who's been making your widgets and is the best widget maker in Utah by far walks in and sees the other guy's widgets being given to the BYU football team. You know. And so the longtime widget maker said, I'm not going to spend my money with BYU anymore. I'm going to take my widgets and I'm going to give them to Utah and I'm going to give them to UVU and I'm going to give them to Weber and I'm going to give them to the Utah Jazz, but I'm not going to, you know, so freely and so readily give them to BYU anymore. Yeah. And that story has been repeated to me across three different categories. Hey, well, you know what? I've been doing this for this long. But this guy has a buddy at BYU corporate sponsorship, so he got in, and I got pushed out. That's the thing that is so frustrating. Yeah, because there's no so reason many for it. There's no reason for it. It doesn't need to be that way, and 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 that's the that's the frustrating part. It's like, okay, cool. So so now that we understand the situation, how does that impact things in the bigger picture, right? Okay, that just happened, right? You're losing loyalists, essentially, folks who've been supporting you a long time. So you're losing conservatively hundreds of thousands of dollars through that process that was just explained, yes. which then impacts you in 
NIL, recruiting, uh, facilities. But you know um, how else hiring. it impacts you? The guy who's been the longtime widget maker is super connected in the community. Yeah, that's so true maybe, too. You know, yeah. So maybe somebody at Tim Pinogus goes to him and says, hey, man, you know, hey, you're, cool. the, you're the official widget maker at BYU. I need to get a widget. And the guy says, well, no, I'm not anymore. You know, they screwed me. And blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I make widgets for Utah. Have, have, you, have you been talking to the guys at Utah? Uh-oh. That's real world. That's yeah. happening. Yeah. That is on the ground. That's happening in the state of Utah where you are screwing people who have local relationships. And I, I know one specific football player who is going to be, who was going to BYU and is now going to Oregon yeah. because of a situation exactly like this, where he went to a widget maker and the widget maker told him how it is at BYU and now he wound up at, at, at Oregon. <coughs> I'm just telling you, man, yep. it, it's happening on a, on a regular basis. Uh, let's see. Uh, Saunders Clark says, you're describing the Mormon church. Dig into who makes sacrament cups, etc." Well, yeah, you don't even want to do that. Uh, now we know why the quality of cougar tails have gone down. <laughs> Come on now. San Diego State Aztec, good morning to you, sir. I have a nephew who received early offers at wide receiver from BYU, Army, Cal, Washington, and a host of other P5 schools. He did not commit to BYU. Great kid, but it would not have been a good fit. And I think that's one of the most important conversations in a high school football player's life. Yeah. Is, hey, you know what? Maybe you're not a good fit at, at this school. But over here, you know, like that, there's nothing wrong with that. Boyd Lake, good morning to you. Kalani needs to hire someone who would be good enough to replace him as a head coach. That should be the mentality. Who? I don't know. Kalani should... Open up assistant head coaching job to give someone uh, to get someone good for DC. Well, Ed Lamb has to, in my opinion, has to be one of the changes made. I think, and look, I respect Ed Lamb. I know Ed Lamb is is has been the assistant head coach. What safeties and special teams? I know that Ed Lamb and, and obviously Kalani have a really good relationship, and he's been he's one of the 2016 hires. I totally understand that. But come on now, can we really just dismiss away the the dysfunction on the special teams? But isn't that's an interesting point though? What you said there, hey Kalani and this guy, right, Ed Lamb or whoever, right, Tuiaki, whoever you want to point to, they have a great relationship. That shouldn't be the reason you are hired or fired, right? Like the reason you're hired or oh. fired should be performance based, and 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 there's this old. You know the, this this old concept, I guess, about like you know, a like if you if you want to win, sometimes that means you can't be nice. And and you know the obviously the easiest example is you know Kobe being regarded as some terrible teammate or like you know there's a ton of examples in the sporting world. But you know what I mean? Like sometimes it shouldn't be about like whether you guys uh, enjoy having dinner together after some game or something. Sometimes it needs to be about the level of protection being provided or how often we're getting to the quarterback or, you know, whatever example you want to use. And, and that's been really one of my only issues with, with Kalani as head coach of this team. I, I have felt like, Hey, we're a little bit too caring about Kalani's personal relationships or being nice to Idaho state two years ago or whatever, like this team, like, I feel like this program needs a little more edginess to it. Like, that's my opinion. I could be a little wrong on that, but I think a little bit of an edge would help this team a lot. I think the biggest question is, do you want to be respected or do you want to be feared? And can you do both? 
And I would tell you, you can do both. And I don't think Kalani wants to be feared. I, yeah. I love Kalani Sataki. Do not get me wrong. I am not saying that Kalani is the problem. But I think Kalani is a guy who likes to do what he's always done. And you know what I'm going to say. Doing what you've always done is going to get you what you've always gotten. And <coughs> listen, as an independent, BYU has been a remarkable success. A remarkable success. Yeah. Um, with the win over Stanford, BYU has now defeated every single Pac-12 program. I mean, it's, it's a remarkable feat, right? And as an independent, BYU is 98 and 56. And a lot of that is for Kalani Sataki. And you have to give him his due respect. Yep. But Kalani's a nice guy. And nice guys don't always finish first. And rarely do they ever finish first. And rarely are they ever feared. If you are USC today, I think you both respect and you fear that Utah can beat you. You do. You just do. Yeah. And if you are if you are any other team that's going to run into, if you were Oregon, did you have respect or fear either or neither for BYU? Neither. Neither. If you're Oregon, you were like, oh, yeah, they're coming to our field. Like, yeah, we're, we're there. Because remember the context. Like, don't forget. Everyone was saying, oh, BYU is going to beat Oregon, including myself. I felt like BYU had a great shot to win that game. And then Oregon goes out and steamrolls BYU. And that was kind of the beginning of the end of the season, if, if we all remember that. So, no, I don't think that they feared or respected BYU, clearly. No, but I think Giggity makes a really good point. Good morning, Giggity. If this season wasn't such a disappointment, would any of this be addressed right now? No, friends of the program would still be coaching the defense. Yep. I mean, that, that, is, that is the hard, harsh reality of this situation. And it, it, it's going to be a real test of who Kalani is as a football coach. Does he have the the kahanas yeah. to go in and whack a guy like Ed Lamb? Because that's a big change. Does And if I'm Kalani Sataki, I'm going into the Big 12. I know we need significant change. We're not making the money we should be making. We're probably not recruiting at the level we should be recruiting at. We're not developing players at the level we should be developing players at. We need to make significant changes. That's it, Skippy. Will he do that? Will he change guys who have been in place since 2016? Pack your shit. Let's go. Will he do that? I don't think he'll do that. I, I don't. And again, I, I, I think it's one of those things where Kalani wants to, wants to be liked sometimes. I think it's one of those things where Kalani wants to be known. He's a good guy. And he is. Nobody yeah. questions that. Yeah. But I also want a badass. I, I want the guy that... We all thought Kalani was when he got hired. I want the guy that's a savage on defense. I want the guy to, to really come out and, and make significant changes because that takes courage. That takes integrity. And we preach all the time in football about, hey, we're making men. Hey, we're doing this. And, and we're going to handle hard better unless it's me and I got to fire my friends and my, my coaches who have been here since <coughs> I've been here. <coughs> Well, now it's time to, to walk the walk if you're Kalani Sataki. If we're being totally honest, it is time to make hard changes, difficult changes, emotional changes. It is hard to look a guy in the eye like Ed Lamb or Eli Satuayaki because you know this conversation happened yeah. probably a month ago. You looked at Eli Satuayaki in the eye and you said, hey, you know what? 
we're going to have to go in a different direction here. I love you, brother. I appreciate the time we've spent together, but it's, it's time for something different. Yeah. How many of those conversations, how much fortitude does Kalani Sataki have for those conversations? Because you need to probably have a half dozen, six, eight of them. At Keep least. it real. I mean, if we are keeping it real and we do on this show, right? I mean, we, we tell you every day that we're the truth in, you know, Salt Lake City sports talk. The truth is change has to come to BYU. Yeah. And, and I also think I'm a big, like, I'm a big believer in these situations. Like, yeah, the conversation is hard, but, but think about the motivation for the conversation. Like you're not having the conversation because the world is burning down around you. You're having the conversation because you're just not achieving to the level that you should be achieving at. And that to me is, is if I was Kalani Sataki, that's how I'd be approaching these conversations. I would just be simply saying, Hey, you know what, man, I love you, bro, but, but it's just not good enough anymore, you know, and, and we, we got to go a different direction and that's it. Like, it's just, it's just business. And, yeah. you know, yesterday you were tweeting and Instagramming and social media about like what, you know, Nick Saban was talking about in that speech he gave after the game and, you know, and, and how his players kind of came together. And I really do feel like the players on this football team did come together. Like I know it's Jaron Hall and he's, he's never going to say a negative word about the team, but but I really do feel like, you know, when we heard, you know, Judy Lolly on the show, when we heard Harris LaChance, when we heard Jaron Hall talking about how, hey, after this game or that game, like we had a choice. We were either going to look at the opportunities we had before us or we were going to live in the past. And I feel like now Kalani's in that same position. Now it's time to say, okay, hey, yeah, great. This season didn't work out. You know, we're still 7-5 and five football team. We're not a losing football team, but we're just not doing what we should be doing and by the way, you've got this behemoth of an opportunity in the Big 12 coming. So I got to do, you know, I got to do hard better, as you always say. Like, I got to, you know, have these conversations and make the changes. And I think if, if, if I don't know what the benchmark of success is, like how that's going to be defined for this team in the first two seasons in the Big 12. But I have to imagine if you're Kalani Sataki, it's just winning football. It's like if you go seven and five, let's say in your first season in the Big 12, is that successful? Like, that's what I think this this program has to figure out. I think you're going to be lucky to be a 500 football team next year. Honest to goodness, this conference is not getting worse. It's getting better. Yeah. I mean, and, and now granted, Luke Fickle is no longer at Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Let's see how that goes. I mean, I don't know how many people saw he got hired by Wisco over the weekend. But you look at what's coming in and you, you look at the UCFs, you look at the Houstons, the BYUs, the Cincinnati's. The, yeah. Kansas, K-State, TCU, like it, it's not Texas and Oklahoma. It's Kansas and TCU. And you got to beat the bottom of the conference to be, you know, to be good enough to beat the top of the conference, right? And and if they played today, is anybody confident that BYU and K would beat Kansas? I'm not. Yeah. I'm not, you know, but the other thing that I think is important to say is I'm also not sitting here telling you I think offensive changes need to be had. Because I don't think off, I would not touch a thing on the offense of this team. Now, again, Jacob Conover doesn't look like a kid who's ready to play football. I don't know what happened there. Um, I mean, are you ever going to let him throw another pass or or not really? No, n that's not what yeah, we do here. I, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. But again, you have Jaron go out to injury and Jacob Conover looks like a guy who's just in there to hand the football off. And it, it's it. Mm. Hey, I just don't understand why no. you wouldn't, why you wouldn't just like in this game against Stanford, 
Why wouldn't you just cut him loose? Like, hey, give him the opportunity to throw the football. Like, you literally, they ran it 50 times, I think, or something like that. They were in that neighborhood, if it wasn't 50 exactly. Like, you ran the hell out of the football in this game, as you should have, right? Like, as you should have. But at the same time, development has to happen. And that is one key point for this program that's going to have to improve. Like, figuring out those games where... Can you stop switching between program and program? Sorry. Are, are you going to be Nick Saban you know, or are here, you not? Let me, let me, guys, listen. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, love the game. Guys had a great performance. You know, uh, Stanford has, is they're a really well-coached team and has a lot of great players. But, you know, our program's going to watch the tape. And, uh, you know, me personally, I'm going to watch my performance and we'll get better next week. Yep. It is what it is. All right. Uh, more of your comments. Um, let's see. What are you guys, what are you guys saying here? Uh, Provo Cougar fan, the BYU destruction of October, uh, may have been a blessing in disguise. New defensive coaching changes could make BYU competitive in the new big 12. I mean, I I mean, I hope so. Like every time you go through adversity and every time that you face in specifically in football, when you face losses like this, something good has to come out of it or you're going to get fired. I mean, there's just no doubt about that. And I think when when you look at you look at the way that that things change in college football. I mean, look at look at Carolina firing Matt Rule, and he ends up at Nebraska. That's unbelievable. The hire Trev Alberts made for the Huskers. Like you look at Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin. Like Wisconsin's been disappointing for five years. You know, everybody thought Jim Leonard was getting that job. Not so fast. They got one of the the best coaching candidates that was clearly available, and Luke Fickle like. If you're Kalani Sataki and you're not going to win games, now again, it's a little different at BYU. You know, you gotta you 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 have to be LDS, you have to be you know in uh, good standing, all of it. That job's a little more difficult to fill. But I look at at Kalani Sataki; he's the exact right guy. Yeah. Well, let's find out if he's the exact right guy, because if he's not willing to make significant changes to his coaching staff. Maybe he's not the exact right guy that we thought he was. You know what I mean? Like maybe, yeah. maybe he's yeah. not. Yeah. Because it takes balls to make the type of changes that we're talking about. Come on, man. I mean, you you have to let Ed Lamb go. And I'm telling you, man, these new hires, you know, the Luke Fickles of the world, right? Like the Matt Rules of the world, when new head coaches go into new positions, what does that mean? They got to build their program. I'm telling you. I know I keep bringing up the transfer portal, but it's only going to get more aggressive. And if you don't have your your program buttoned up like that, you're going to lose opportunities just from that standpoint. I mean, you look at what you know Lincoln Riley was able to do a, a, in one year at SC, right? Like it's very clear what's going on. And again, I'm not even saying that Lincoln Riley cheated. He didn't cheat. He's using the system. Why do you keep bringing because that up? Because people are talking about it. People are talking about. We've heard multiple references. We had the Sabin and Jimbo blow up earlier in the year. David Shaw think, talked about it. I don't it. think like, anybody is accused Lincoln Riley of cheating. No, not I Lincoln Riley specifically. Just kicking your ass. Not Lincoln Riley specifically. We always yeah. get the reference of, hey, there are there are people who are illegally leveraging the transfer portal. Yeah, we hear that I, all the time. I just I think it's so easy, and the and the reason this bothers me so much is. We can't just accept that Lincoln Riley's a better football coach than you are. We can't just accept that Jimbo Fisher's better in the transfer portal than you are. We can't just accept that Alabama lost two games. Alabama lost two games. Holy cow, they're terrible. 
Well, I would love to have a football team that lost two games. As a Notre Dame fan, I would take a two-loss season right now today. Right? Like, it's so easy to say, well, this guy cheated. Lincoln Riley did not cheat. Lincoln Riley just did the job better than you. That that's I, And I don't understand why people like Kalani Sataki has not done the job well enough at BYU. Why is that so difficult for people to say out loud? Why is it so hard to, to talk about Kalani instead of talking about Lincoln Riley or any other coach you want to point to? Kalani Sataki has not done the job well enough. Period. That's it. That's the whole conversation. And again, if your measuring stick is 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 the you, Kyle Whittingham's going to the Pac-12 championship game for the second year in a row, and I'm not the guy who's going to bet against him. I'm not doing it. And and again, I'll just say, hey, where's where's Oregon? Where's Oregon? Where? Oh, Bo Nix, <laughs> and that guy's hung like a steer. It turns out he's not. He's who we thought he was. Oh, he's hurt. Well, then he shouldn't have been playing. Oh, he's injured. Okay, then he shouldn't have been playing. If he's not capable of winning you games, winning you that game, by the way, you were up double digits in the fourth quarter. We were sitting at Super Chicks in Ogden with, with, just watching that game go down. <coughs> that had yep. nothing to do with Bo Nix being hurt. Yep. You got beat, and we warned you about Reeser, right? 27 unanswered. I it's, believe it was. It's they're only at fifty percent capacity at Reeser because of construction, and it's still a great home field advantage. And you got beat. Mm -hmm. You got beat because your head coach made some really bad decisions. Bo Nix didn't execute, and now Utah's going to the Pac-12 championship game. It just is what it is. You got beat because Oregon State was better than you. Oh, but the Pac. It doesn't. Oregon State was a better football team. Utah's going back to the Pac-12 championship. BYU 7-5, and five, and they're probably going to the Jamaica grass-growing fertilizer treatment system of America Bowl. <laughs> it's not good enough. Kalani hasn't done his job the last 12 months and probably deeper than that. Now Elisa Tuiaki's gone. Is Ed Lamb going to be gone? Are we going to train specific for football positional training? Are we going to do that? Are we going to keep blowing up uniforms and then wearing them in losses? Because it's cool you had a great uniform against Oregon and against Notre Dame. Yeah. But all it did was have you ready and available for football at 50, 10 to the hour, every hour. You know, like that's all it did. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't win your game. Hey, congratulate. Like, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm really not. Congratulations. Your uniforms are amazing. What good are they when you lose? Well, at least you look good losing. Yeah, pretty much. I'm almost tired of hearing about it. Yeah. Yeah, look, I get it, man. I, I, I Yeah, I get it. I'm it's not you. Lincoln Riley's fault. He's a I'm better not, football coach than you. I'm saying that it's Lincoln Riley's fault. Like I, The point I was making is that the transfer portal will make or break your program. And you have to understand that, that, yeah, it hasn't been good enough, but the changes you're making right now are ultimately going to make or break you in the transfer portal and, and attractiveness. Like, that's going to be a big thing. You know what makes or breaks you in the transfer portal? Relationships. Relations Kalani doesn't have the relationships that Jimbo Fisher has or Lincoln Riley has or anybody else has. Yeah. How did Cam Rising end up at Utah? Somehow, some way, right? How many guys are coming into BYU through the transfer portal? Let's see. How many former BYU players are going to wind up at Utah in the offseason? We'll see. 
I don't know. Football 50 presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Now that we're through this ridiculousness of Thanksgiving, right? and I still love the fact that people had leftovers and they still got Papa Murphy's Pizza. That's right. I love it. And we appreciate you. Uh, Papa Murphy's Pizza, use the promo code MONTY25. Should, should Colorado hire Deion Sanders? And listen, let's stop with all this nonsense about, oh, Prime Prep Academy. And is, is that really why Colorado and... And, and here's my thing about the Pac-12 and, and Deion Sanders. Well, no institution of higher learning <laughs> Here would we go. stoop themselves down to... So now Colorado shouldn't hire Deion Sanders? Yeah, they should, and he should take the job. Nothing Deion Sanders has done should keep him from being the head coach at, at Colorado. Because frankly, he's one of the best head coaches in the country right now. They don't lose games at Jackson State. They don't. And the accountability piece, I don't know how many people saw the, the speech he gave to his kids before they went out for Thanksgiving break, where he said if you're one minute late Sunday morning because they had to be back on campus Sunday, he said to him, if you're one minute late, your season's over. We will clean out your locker if you are one minute late. And I loved it because he said, if somebody's dead, you better be right there next to their casket taking a picture. But if you got a flat tire, he, he straight up said to him, get back on Saturday. Don't you come back here on Sunday. Get back on Saturday. Because if the plane's late or, you you know, the flight was canceled, flights get canceled every day. If you get a flat tire, well, had you left on Saturday, like I told you to, you'd have had 24 hours to fix that flat tire. I love that level of accountability because we don't get that very often. Deion Sanders should be the next head coach at Colorado. And I think the reason that other Pac-12 teams don't want them to hire Deion Sanders is because Deion Sanders is going to start taking your recruits. Mm -hmm. Because the guy is a phenomenal recruiter. Yeah. Phenomenal recruiter. And how many of those kids at Jackson State are going to come to Colorado? I would guess a good bit of them. Because Prime's kid is actually a really good quarterback. A really good quarterback. Can he do it in the Pac-12? Yeah, I think he can. And I think if you put a guy like Deion Sanders at Colorado, all of a sudden Colorado becomes a top five team in the Pac-12. Yeah, and I think nobody wants to say that, you know, and I think that nobody wants to give, you know, Prime his credit, and I think that he's done an awesome job. And I think that, you know, it, it, it's only a matter of time before he gets that next ste stepping stone opportunity, before he gets into a Power 5 program. So I'd hire him too. I'm with you. And I think it's why so many programs – across this country want a higher prime yeah it's why ucf and usf and it, it's why nebraska wanted to interview him and ultimately didn't or he should go to colorado he's had the offer for two days yeah i don't know why he hasn't taken it we'll see maybe he wants a different job maybe he wants to stay at jackson state one more year i mean they're undefeated what how highest best use right but i also think this plays into the byu stanford thing did you see Oregon, the, the banded Oregon? Or excuse me, that was them yelling F the Mormons. My bad. Um, another Pac-12 school, the institutions of higher learning right. where they're better than you and just ask them, they'll tell you. Right. The Stanford band halftime show was about two women getting married 
and repopulating the earth prolifically, essentially taking a slap at BYU and the LDS church. So where are the calls for them to forfeit the game? Where are the calls for them, you know, like at BYU where the racial thing where fans were dropping N-bombs on Duke volleyball players, only that never happened and there's no evidence it ever happened? Where where are the calls to kick Stanford out of the, the Pac-12? Yeah. Where are the, but they said sorry. Well, Stanford hasn't apologized yet. But where are the calls to kick Oregon out of the Pac-12 because their fans chanted F the Mormons? Oh, that's right. They never came. Because it's BYU and BYU can can be your you know your your kick your kick play BYU can you know yeah. they can be your whipping boy yep and nobody's gonna say anything because it's the Mormons and f the Mormons and they're just those weirdos in their magic underpants not drinking caffeine yeah and they're all twenty five playing ten year olds all I'm telling you is the the Pac twelve. The Pac-12 is this league who likes to tell you how great they are, and then they're not so great. Oregon's that team who likes to tell you how great they are, and then they choke away a chance to win the 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 Pac-12 championship. Yeah, Oregon's the team that plays really good in the regular season and then has no ability to win a game of, of consequence. Oregon's that team that just talks a great game. How about that? Where, where are the Oregon fans this morning? Where are all the fans who are like, hey, we're the best? Remember all those fans on last Wednesday's show who were like, oh, my God, we're coming for that ass. And, well, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you did, right? I mean, you showed up in Corvallis. I yeah. mean, you didn't play football. Not in the fourth quarter, anyway. I mean, like, you got humiliated. Where is the where is the Utah's a poverty program line? But, I mean, wait. The question is, I mean, nobody would ever leave the Oregon program except your offensive coordinator. And now the quarterback who's one of the top quarterbacks in the country is espousing about how much he misses his recruiting partner. The offensive took the job at Arizona. He, he, left, uh, he left Uncle Phil Knight to go to the dumpster fire at Arizona State. Oh. Are you, but it's Oregon. He would never leave Oregon. There's just too many militias up there. Do you understand the statement it sends tread that on you, us. Law, you left Oregon to go to ASU? You know, like, as he, like, saying ASU's a dumpster fire is putting it nicely. Like, that is a program <laughs> that is in a bad way right now. So, I, oh, I just, Oregon God. is such a, Oregon is very much a two-faced program, in my opinion. I just, this, this thing at Stanford, it's not even Oregon. The Pac-12 is, in my opinion, a disaster. They're a rudderless ship, no leadership. So, who's going to actually, is any, is Stanford even going to initiate, or issue the meaningless, empty apology. No. Do we get the Oregon? Oh, hey, we're sorry about that. <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> we're just joshing around. Yeah, it's just a joke. Ah, but we're going to the Pac-12 championship game, and Bo Nix is a stud. Are they even going to issue the the Oregon meaningless apology? I don't think they are. No. They're. They're Say not. nothing. It'll blow over. Because, by the way, as Greg Hawkins pointed out, and I can tell you as a Notre Dame fan, they don't care. They, I mean, they mock the Catholics. They don't, There's no repercussion. Oh, we're so woke. We're so woke. We're going to mock the Mormons. Good Lord. I hate Stanford. I hate Stanford. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cam Harrison says, and Stanford has a few LDS players. They're, they're quarterback. Guy Tanner McKee is 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 LDS. Yeah. Tanner McKee is LDS. 
starting quarterback at Stanford, one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL draft, and you still thought that was funny. Yeah. I don't get that. Pied Piper says, Oregon fan uh, here, don't worry, Doc. Okay. That's fine. I mean, you know. Uh, Provo Cougar uh, fan says, Oregon and Stanford diss on BYU is Boy Scout stuff compared to the likes or dislikes from saying from say Wyoming fans. Okay. Well, I mean, listen. No, I'm not too. No, no. Screw Stanford. And I think you. Why do I hate Oregon? Outside of the fact that an hour from now, DJ Khaled's releasing his Air Jordan Five that I'm going to buy on the sneaker. Well, I right, won't because I'm right. not going to win the the draw. But yeah. the point is, outside of Uncle Phil Knight, yeah. screw yeah. Oregon. Screw, screw Oregon. Like, hey, Dennis Dixon's really good. He's not actually. He's not. He's not. Yeah. Washington's better. Well, and they Clearly. proved it on the field. Washington. Anyway, I'll stop. Uh, Jeremy says, I was at the Stanford game. It was so cringe. The whole program is a joke. No fans, players don't care. There's, But I've, I've told people this, and I've been saying this for how long? Nobody goes to Stanford games. No. It is a tiny, tiny, tiny university. And they might get 10 to 17,000. I don't know what the attendance was. I'm probably looking like an idiot. Oh, 69,000. Right. Um, it, I, you can't tell me. I would bet my left arm they had no more than 20,000 fans there, if that. And how many of them were Jeremy Bolton's friends? Yeah. How many of the Because you know Jeremy left a ticket for Alex Caruso. Right. And you know that they ate, you know, Papa Murphy's pizza together. Papa Murphy's presents how to change the way you pizza. Step one, carefully knead dough. Step two, artfully spread sauce. Step three, add fresh mozzarella and assemble toppings. Step four, realize we already did all that for you. So all you have to do is bake it. For a limited time only, get the Hog Heaven Pizza with Canadian bacon, ground sausage, and crispy bacon. Papa Murphy's, change the way you pizza. Jeremy Bolton says he had a ticket for Alex, but as always, he no show. <laughs> That's not funny. That's not even humorous. They, we, do you, they, Jeremy, you, you, let's go to the game tonight. Jake doesn't want to go to the Bulls game. My wife is sick, doesn't want to go to the Bulls you game. Want, can, you want to go to the game tonight? No, I don't. You had your chance to go to the Bulls Here game. You said go. no. Here we no, go. I got to get my sleep. Here we gotta go. Got to get my sleep. Here we go. Well, hey, you get your sleep. I'll go to the Bulls game. Anybody want to go to the Bulls game tonight and watch? Alex, we're not. You're not invited. Anybody want to go to the Bulls game and watch Alex Caruso dominate? I would go. I, I'm Let's happy. Go. It's, I'm ready. Oh, now you're ready. Yeah. Now go home and and write uh, down all the different ways that Lincoln Riley cheated at USC. Well, My point is, I'm going to the Bulls. How game How is a Notre Dame fan? Are you are you defending the the old uh, you know Lincoln Riley? I'm I'm not defending Re Lincoln Riley. I swear to God, <laughs> I'm. You just woke up today in a mood. And no, I, I did you're not. You're such a jerk. No, and I'm not defending Lincoln Riley. The thing that bothers me so much about the Jimbo Fisher, Lincoln Riley stuff is they just did a better job than you. And you can't handle that. So they must have cheated. Right? Uh -huh. And the other thing is, oh, Nick Saban said he cheated. No, Nick Saban did not say he cheated. This is Coach Saban. Nick Saban said, that's not how we build our program. Mm -hmm. That's what Nick Saban said. Right. Nick Saban never accused them of cheating. Mm -hmm. That's not what Nick Saban was saying. I don't know what you're talking about, all right? Yeah, that's not what the conversation was about. 
fucking asshole. Lincoln Riley's, but Lincoln Riley's just better than you. It's ridiculous. Why can't you get that? The funny thing about Jimbo Fisher is, number one, you're not buying dickhead out because he's got like a $50 trillion buyout. He's not good as a football coach. Jimbo, I don't know what you're talking about. The problem is, Lincoln Riley, as much as I hate USC, I respect Lincoln Riley because Lincoln Riley's actually a really good football coach. A really good football coach. Mediocre defensive guy. Amazing offensive guy. Caleb Williams should win the Heisman Trophy, as I properly predicted back in July yeah. when we told you that. Anyway, the point is, I'll go to the game by myself. I don't, you know. But no one's going to disrespect me. And as usual, Tanner, who last night, I so we told you a week ago or whenever it was, hey, major changes are coming to BYU. Right. So... Kalani's best friend resigns as defensive coordinator. Right, yeah. And I said, well, as we told you a week ago, major changes have started at BYU. And Tanner's like, yeah, you know, Monty, anybody could have seen this coming. Then why didn't anybody else then say why it? Why didn't anybody else say it, Tanner? Why didn't anybody else say it? Come on. Come on. Jamoke. Come on. Jamoke. By the way, I hope you guys have enjoyed <laughs> the uh, last of BYU uh, TV or whatever it is. Yeah, tier threes. Yeah, yeah. done. Uh, Tanner says, once again, narratives are more important than facts in college football. That's why people are trying to discredit Lincoln Riley. That I agree. Listen, with. listen. That I, I agree. Be really with. clear on this, man. I the 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 narrative is not the the whole initiative is not to discredit Lincoln Riley. My point with that was, hey, wait, 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 got hang on, Jimbo, hang on. Wait, I got to single you up here. Jimbo, Go ahead. You've got Nick Saban. Smear you've got Lincoln. David Shaw. Like you've got a bunch of people talking about how they don't like the way the transfer portal is handled. And my point was, hey, if you're Kalani Sataki, you need to make these changes so you can be in a better position to leverage the transfer portal. Because whether anyone likes it or not, it's a big deal right now. It just is. Like, you have to be able to use it. Like, we talked all about how Kyle Whittingham is not doing a good enough job. And then Witt wants to come out and blame, blame Utah for not giving him more money, essentially. Right? He came out and said, I need more resources. So I'm not sitting here saying that Lincoln Riley's a cheater or that he's some horrible person. I can't give a damn about Lincoln Riley. He needs to go out and win this game before it means anything. Who hurt you, Jay? Like, come on, man. Who, who hurt you? Like, I love that we turned it into, oh, you hate Lincoln Riley. No. But you no. said... <laughs> I didn't say that Lincoln Riley was cheating. That's not what I said, dude. I just didn't. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. I didn't uh, sleep for the past two nights because of this. I was I'm, that upset. I'm going to need an attorney. That's why I'm going to go to the Utah Advocates. UtahAdvocates.com. Hey. They don't do criminal defense or murder. Uh, UtahAdvocates.com. If you've been in a car accident, if somebody hit you over the weekend, I know that there was a ton of traffic. I was. I felt like I, I should have just gotten a, I should have buy a place in Park City in the winter. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have been in an accident... Um, you, you got to get an attorney. Your insurance company is not working for you. And I, I think this is a really important thing for, for people to understand is this week, it, a ton of snow is coming in. There are going to be accidents and I hope you're not involved in one, but heavens to Betsy, cheese and rice. If you're involved in an accident, utahadvocates.com because I'm begging you not to, to trust, trust your insurance company. And so many people are like, well, Hey dude, um, Lincoln Riley cheats in the transfer portal and I pay my insurance company. So why wouldn't I, you know, believe in them because they're not fighting for you. 
They're trying to pay you as little as possible. It's really unfair. Right? They're trying, your insurance company is trying to pay you less than Lincoln Riley pays players at USC. <laughs> that's why, that's why you've got to go to utahadvocates.com. <laughs> Uh, because their only job is to fight for you. That's why they call themselves the advocates, because they're going to advocate for you. You're if, welcome. If you've been hurt at work, think about, you know, if, if you have had a workman's comp case, if you unfortunately got hit by somebody that was looking at their phone or eating or just being distracted and they totaled your car, they, you deserve to be compensated for that. But your insurance company is going to keep as much money as they can and they have thousands of lawyers defending their position, why not go to the advocates? UtahAdvocates.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Some of your best work. I, that was some of your best you work. Know, you know, it's fine. Oh, Jeremy wants to go to the bowl game with me tonight. Okay, good. Us. So I don't have, no. So I don't have to go to the game alone. Here we go. Jeremy says, I want Here to go to the Bulls game. Go. I'll wear my Caruso jersey and fall down the stairs and spill my drink what and get ketchup all over my shirt. Should I, so I have to bring a Tide stick, is what you're saying. <laughs> that's, that's what you're saying. You know, it's fine. Uh, Jeremy, uh, I just go back to this comment right here. I had a ticket for Alex Russo, and as always, he no-showed. Whatever. I'm just, I'm telling you. It, it, it is what it is. Yeah. It's fine. Um, where do you want to go here? I mean, obviously the Jazz is a are a big talking point. Mm -hmm. um, jazz and Bulls tonight at the Viv. I'll be there by myself. Right. Uh, jazz are a two point favorite. Two thirty four is a number on that game. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, the Jazz are twelve and ten, and they've lost seven of nine. And you say they are who we thought they were. Yeah, I mean, I, I say that 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 this happens to every team. I say that if you go and you just do a basic YouTube search and pull up the full game recaps, you can take your time, watch the game for what it is, and understand that Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley should not be playing defense together until they figure out how to communicate, right? Like, you, you, you start to understand that there are basic concepts that they're just not executing on. And again, this doesn't need to be a super negative conversation. Like... It literally just is, hey, you're playing the Phoenix Suns. Jared Vanderbilt's guarding Devin Booker in the corner, and the Suns are smart enough to understand that, hey, we're going to use Book as a distraction. And a guy like Torrey Craig, who, with all due respect, is just a role player, is going to get a wide-open dunk because of what Devin Booker did. Like, but see, I don't even have a problem with that. Defense is a learned skill. The thing that I have a problem with is that you're not making the basic play offensively mm -hmm. and my struggle is is that now it's very clear and we played the video last week of Colin Sexton and Will Hardy getting into that discussion on the bench and we told you hey this is absolutely what you want to see yeah this is coaching this is player development and now we're getting a far more engaged far more team focused Colin Sexton but now you have to wonder like okay well what's Jordan Clarkson's role on this team and you know, like I, the Jared Vanderbilt thing is very interesting because I, I tweeted some videos of Rudy Gobert last night. Mm. And mm. I'm telling you now that Jared Vanderbilt is rapidly turning into a Rudy Gobert. <laughs> now, he's different in that Vando can guard four positions, in my opinion. He can, he's not going to guard point guards. But he can guard two, three, and four. I don't necessarily believe that he's a guy you want guarding a prototypical center. That's why I think that the John Collins conversation we've had for months now is really important.
But I think that Jared Vanderbilt's a guy that is really hurting you offensively now. There's just no other way to to go about this. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to have this conversation without saying Jared Vanderbilt is very limited offensively. He is not a guy that the other team has to account for on offense. And so I look at some of the combinations and I say to myself, I don't believe that you can have Colin with Beasley and Clarkson. I just don't think that's a combination that works because I don't think there's enough efficiency there. I think we're, we're watching, we're watching guys play their way into trades. And again, I'm just going to stay with that because we've talked about this since training camp. A guy like Malik Beasley's a hell of a player. And I think there's a lot of stuff out there. I was talking to my jazz guy on Friday or Saturday, and he was telling me we're going to trade Malik Beasley. It's simply a matter of getting the right time and the right deal to make that happen. Yeah. And I, I, I am a big believer that this team will, in fact, move Malik Beasley. I think this team has a lot of guys. I think the only guy that they will not trade of the the vet rotation guys, I don't believe that they want to move on from Laurie Markkinen. I think anybody else, including Jordan Clarkson, is available for trade if you mm-hmm. want to make the right deal. I think they view um, Laurie Markkinen as a 1B. He's a guy that can be your second best player on a team that's competing for a championship. And I think that's exactly right. Yeah. But again, I'll just go back to what I said to start training camp. How many of these guys are you absolutely positively married to? Well, there's not a whole lot of guys on this roster that I'm like, yeah, can't do him. Got You got to have him. Yeah. I mean, I really want to see where Walker Kessler ends up. I think he's already an elite shot blocker. I think the guy is absolutely somebody that I want to see top end on that guy. Mm-hmm. I want to see what Kessler brings in two years because he's he is a work in progress offensively. I want to see where he ends up in two years. I want to see can Ochai Baji develop into a seven, eight, nine guy off your bench. Can he be a rotational guard in the NBA in the next two years? I need to know that about Agbaji. Because now I've seen enough where I'm like, okay, he, this kid can really shoot the three. Yeah. Can he shoot it at the at, can he can he put himself in a place where he gets the opportunity to shoot it consistently at the NBA level? I need to see that. I've already seen more out of Agbaji than I ever saw out of Jared Butler, right? Agreed. So I want to I see that. But I know who Jordan Clarkson is. I know who Malik Beasley is. I know who Kelly Olenek is. I know who Laurie Markkinen is. I know who those guys are. I want to see I want to see Markkinen be here, and I want to see Walker Kessler be here. Other than that, you can have, the, you can have them all. Uh, honest to God. Yeah. Because I still maintain that this is a 35-40 win team and I think it's going to be a real battle to make a, a play-in spot in the West, which is probably where this talent level should be at, frankly, because I think, you know, unfortunately I have to say nice things about Jake, but like the bottom of the West is starting to play. Mm-hmm. The bottom of the West, I think you're starting to see a, a team in Golden State that is finally coming together chemistry-wise. Yeah. You can see signs now that they are moving past Draymond Green punching bros in the face. Yeah, Like you can see Golden State pushing past that. So my question is, who on this team are you married to? Because I'm not married to many. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you said there. I think I think Markkinen is, is the only guy that I would really be committed to. I would like to keep Walker Kessler, but I'm not married to him. You know, I, I yeah, I'd like to see the top end of that guy. But if, if that was like a make or break thing in a, in a bigger picture deal, 
then, you know, yeah, he's going to be involved in that deal. Like, that's just where I'm at with him right now. But but I, I, I look at this team, and, I, and I, I look at how they play right now, and it does right now, it, over this stretch where they've been losing more than they've been winning, it does feel like a bunch of guys who have one skill set trying to play as a team. That That's kind of what it feels like. Instead of, you know, guys who can do multiple things who are sort of molding together, you know? And, and I look at, like, Malik Beasley is a great example of this, and, and this is why he's going to get traded. He can shoot the hell out of the three, but he can't play defense. He can't. He's not a defensive guy, and that's fine because nobody in the right mind is going to ask him to play a high level of defense. Uh, uh, the, you're going to trade him to a championship-caliber team that needs a 40% three-point shooter to come off the bench. That that That's where he's going to go. And so you apply that same logic to... Jordan Clarkson, we've had this discussion many times on the show. You apply it to Jared Vanderbilt right now. My only thing with Vando is I think he's got a lot of developing to do. I think he can become a serviceable offensive player. Like, I think with with the body he has and the athleticism he has, he could be a dynamic pick-and-roll player. Now, he'd have to learn how to pass really effectively, and he'd have to get better at finishing around the rim, but I think he can do that. Like, you're not asking him to shoot 40% from three. You're basically asking him to know where his guys are at on the floor and to just read the situation. So to me, I believe you can develop that kind of guy. But I'm also with you right now. He's hurting you offensively. So that's why I say, let's not jump. Let's not get too negative. Let's not get too positive. Let's understand who this team is, right? They're right in that 40-win window. Maybe it's less. Maybe it's a touch more. But that's who they are right now. And Danny Ainge in this front office need to get to work on putting deals together now. That needs to happen now. Oh, I, I think there's, there is no doubt in my mind. There is no doubt in my mind that Danny Ainge has three, four deals that he could make today if he wanted to. And we've talked a lot about John Collins, but John Collins is the perfect example of, uh, of, for the Utah Jazz in that this is a conversation that goes back to the summer. Yeah. This is a conversation that goes back to um, you know, before the Donnie trade where, you know, you were out there and you were looking for deals for Rudy Gobert. Um, this is one of those conversations with a guy like a John Collins, where I still think there's a deal to be made with the Chicago Bulls. And it'll be interesting to see what the Bulls are after, because I actually think the Bulls are one of those teams that's out there trying to find a dynamic, you know, guy to score inside the paint. Now, I don't know that the Jazz offer that, but I can tell you they offer Malik Beasley, who I know for a fact the Chicago Bulls would love to have. Yes. But what do they have in return? I don't know that they have a whole lot in return to give you. I, I look at a team like the Boston Celtics. I look at a team like, again, I think one of the best dance partners for this Jazz team is going to be the Toronto Raptors. Mm -hmm. There's a deal to be had with the Toronto Raptors. It's simply a matter of, what are the Raptors willing to give up? And right now they're playing well enough where they're probably not willing to give up much. So that deal is pretty limited. The best deal, in my opinion, that is out there for the Utah Jazz is 1A, the Atlanta Hawks and the LA Lakers because they both want three-point shooting. And I think that the Lakers are going to make a major push in the summer um, with knowing, knowing that you are, you are where you are with LeBron. And again, Anthony Davis is hurt Again, I think they're going to trade Anthony Davis. And I think they would like to acquire a guy like a Malik Beasley. And I'm curious to see if they do that this year 
and where they where they end up ultimately going. Because, by the way, the Lakers are a better team when LeBron and Anthony Davis don't play together. Yeah, you got to get back to who you were. Yeah. Like, get back. Like, okay, this is not rocket science. LeBron James is one of the best passers the NBA has ever seen. Like, unanimously, everyone agrees on that. So put him in a position to pass the basketball to a guy that can shoot the basketball. Like, let's get back to, and again, I'm not some, you know, Laker apologist, but the fact is when the Lakers are good, it's way better for the league. And so it would be nice if LeBron had Cantavius Caldwell Pope still standing in the corner instead of, you know, KCP being with Jamal Murray in Denver, right? Like, it would be nice if LeBron had some assets to work with. And to me, you 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 have to understand LeBron can still give you 40 points in, in any given game very clearly, but this is somebody who you want to be 25 and 10, 12 assists. Like you want him to be a playmaker, not necessarily a scorer. That's what you need to that's yeah. where their problems lie I, right I, now. I'd also be looking at the Dallas Mavericks. I yeah. mean, I, I continue to um, I'm just gonna say again about the Mavericks. They're not making threes at a high enough clip. I think I think Luca and I was Luca, I think, is at thirty percent. Luca's at thirty percent taking eight threes a game. And they've lost their last six or whatever. And like, the the guy that's really struggling is Tim Hardaway Jr., who's yeah. taken seven threes a game, making twenty nine percent. I mean, and I wish the Jazz had traded for him last year. Spencer Dinwiddie is carrying that team from three. And he, I know that everybody mocked me last year when I said that, but Spencer Dinwiddie is absolutely the guy that you want that you want on your team. But they've got him now. They've got to upgrade. They've got to upgrade Tim Hardaway Jr. And how do you do that? You do that with Malik Beasley. The problem is you're going to, to your point, you're going to give up some defense because Timmy's actually a pretty good defensive player. Yeah. But if you're Dallas, you'd love to have Malik Beasley. He, in my opinion, right now, him and Jordan Clarkson are your two most valuable chips. Mm-hmm. It's simply a matter of how much you're asking for. And I'm telling you, don't buy the, don't drink the juice on they'll never trade Jordan Clarkson because that, in my opinion, is just not true. I think Danny puts that out there to drive that trade number higher. I, I, honest to goodness, because I think what you saw, and again, Nick fans are going to disagree with us, and I know we have a lot of Nick fans that watch this show. Bro, you look at that, you look at that that Donnie deal not going to New York was absolutely a stroke of genius for for Danny Age. Yep. Danny didn't flinch and the Knicks are worse off for it and the Jazz are better off for it because you look at what came in that in that trade. I st- I still maintain that Colin Sexton can be a 20 and 7 guy in this league. He can give you 20 points every night and he can be a 7 dime guy. Every single night. Mm-hmm. Anything else he gives you, if you can, hey, if we can lower turnovers, you're always going to do that with every player. It doesn't matter. If he gives you 20 points and seven dimes, I think you're taking that. That's a win. Yeah. And he's still a really young player that's under club control and a really good number. Why would the Jazz trade Colin Sexton? I don't think you would. Mm-mm. I don't think you would have an appetite Well, and that. I think what's interesting about Sexton right now is they're like against Phoenix going down the stretch there. They were giving the ball to Sexton against Aiton repeatedly, and he was taking advantage of that matchup. And, and I just think it's interesting, like earlier in the year, that would have been Jordan Clarkson trying to close the game, right? And now it's Colin Sexton, and I like that adjustment for better or for worse. I know they lost the game, but Colin Sexton needs those kind of reps. And so when you look at the trade, the trade situation, like you're not going to try to develop a guy and then try to trade him when he's under club control and, and basically in the situation you were just describing. Like that's not, that doesn't make a lot of sense. What, what you need to do 
is you need to forecast forward and say, okay, Colin can be the one, right? He can play the one. Lori can play the three or the four, depending yeah. on who else we go and get. And then Walker Kessler ideally would be a five, but but that is a question mark. We got to develop him. But look at what look at what Dallas did today. By all accounts, Dallas has a deal in place with Kemba Walker. Yeah, really interesting. That yeah, because yeah. they're desperate for guard play. Any all of this to say, I look at this Jazz team. I don't think there's anybody on this roster where you're like, I've got to have that guy. He's got to be our dude. Bonnie, We've got to please. keep him. I just, I don't see that as a, I, I just don't think that that's, that's something that, that it's you're, not the space you're in. You're not going to do that. Yeah. You're not. Uh, Mike Maple says they're back. Yes, there were some bots in the chat. I have removed them promptly. Thank you. Well you know, done. Very good you know, job. <laughs> you know, is what it is. Uh, Boyd Lake wants to defend uh, Zach Wilson's benching. Oh, God. Dude, please let me let's hear it. I mean, please, please. I saw comments from Kurt Warner and Teddy Bruschi, who both criticized the Jets for benching Zach. They benched him because he said the wrong thing at the podium. Not bad play. They benched him because he can't throw touchdowns in the NFL. <laughs> and if you watched the Jet game yesterday, and trust me, as a pained Bears fan, Mike White had a better game on his first game than Zach Wilson had at any time <laughs> as a New York Jet. And I know you're going to find this hard to believe. They won the game. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Skeet says they really need a lockdown defender at the small forward. I don't think Fando is that guy. Well, talking about the Jazz here on the Monty Show presented by TridayTrading.com. Make sure you get to TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Uh, anytime we're talking basketball, we're talking Triday Trading because they are just great guys to be in business with. Um, I continue to tell you. Um, that when you're ready to make real money and you're ready to step away from your job, and I know that this time of year, there's a lot of people talking about this. Um, you know, hey, what am I going to do in 2023? You know, I, I, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to make more money. No, you're not. You're going to talk about making more money, but are you really ready to make a change in your life? Are you ready to stop watching your neighbors go to Disneyland with their kids? Are, are you ready to stop looking at other people opening up franchises that you wanted to open or buying houses you wanted to buy or driving that new car that you thought should have been yours? Or do you just want to complain about it? Because you, you, you got to understand that you can complain or you can be prosperous, but you can't do both. Thanks. Right? You just can't. They don't go together. Negativity is the enemy of prosperity, period, point blank. Had that conversation with a guy over the weekend. Negativity is the enemy of prosperity. So stop being negative, control your mindset, and get to trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Day trading is absolutely a great way for you to make a side hustle into a full-time gig. If you're going to work today, and I know there's a lot of people who listen to us driving to work, and when you get to the office, if you're saying to yourself, man, I don't want to do that TPS report today. Man, it sucks having to go back to work. Look at all these emails. I was off for four days, and now look at all these emails. Mm -hmm. Stop doing that and get to TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Register for the free webinar. That's all we're asking you to do. Not asking you to spend any money. We're not asking you to, to leverage yourself. We're asking you to go and watch a free webinar and then make a decision because it's time for you to start living the best life possible, right? It's time for you to start providing for your family at the level you wanted to provide for them at. You can do all of that at trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Make sure you tell me you heard about it on the Monty Show. Um, I think this Vanderbilt conversation is very interesting. Yeah. Is Jared Vanderbilt a guy that you can see developing into 
a serviceable NBA power forward in two years. And the reason I keep saying two years, and I see people asking about that, two years from now, you should be a, a Western Conference Finals contender. You should, in two years, you should be where Dallas, Denver, the Clippers, the Suns, you should be on that part with the top teams in the West. You're never going to be Golden State, but Golden State's not going to be Golden State after this year, right? In two years, you should be competing for a Western Conference championship. Can Jared Vanderbilt be your starting power forward at that point? I don't know. I think he's a bench player. I think he is a guy that comes off your bench as a 4-5 combo guy and is a defensive stopper. I think that's who he is. And I do think that he can guard, you know, if you think about who are the unguardable guys in this league? Nobody's stopping LeBron. I still think he's one of the best players in the world. Nobody's stopping Devin Booker. Nobody's stopping Luka Doncic. Nobody's stopping Trey Young. Okay, great. Can he stop the second best player on every team in the NBA? Jalen Brown? I think he can. I think he can. Now, Jalen's Jalen's probably a bit too athletic for him. I don't know that you would ask him to stop Jalen Brown. Probably not. Can he, if you are, if it, can you ask him to, you know, to guard down their depth chart? Yes, you can. Can you ask him to stop three, four, five guys? I think you can. If you look at, can you ask Jared Vanderbilt to play against a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith? Yeah, you can. Absolutely. I think you can. If you look at, I don't know, who, who is the, if you look at the Clippers, right? Can you ask him to stop a Marcus Morris? Yes, a Paul George. Probably not stop, limit maybe, defend with passion. Yes, absolutely. But could he stay with Zubats? Yes, I think he can. I agree. I think he's long enough and he's athletic enough. You know, if you if you look at the teams in this league, I look at, again, the Memphis Grizzlies, and I say to myself, can Jared Vanderbilt play with a Jaron Jackson? He can. It's a tough ask, but he can't. But the bigger question is, can he play with a Steven Adams? Yeah, no. I think he can. Mm. You don't think he can? No, I think Steven Adams, see, that's one where I say, hey, yeah, Jared's got the length, but he doesn't have the body. Steven Adams is a bull, and he's very physical. So to me, like that's where I would want Walker Kessler to kind of step in as a seven-footer and grow into his body a little bit. Do you have those expectations, though? I mean, I think, well, like, okay, so, it, so if we're talking expectations with Walker Kessler right here today, no. But, like, I, I, I would have liked to have seen Walker Kessler do a little bit more with with the DeAndre Ayton matchup, like offensively. Like, I'd have loved to have seen Kessler do a little bit more. Now, DeAndre Ayton obviously is, is one of the better bigs in the league. Like, obviously, I'm not expecting Kessler to win the matchup. But I'm all I'm saying is that I, I'm not asking guys to put on some virtuoso performance. But, but like, what I am asking is, hey, understand, just understand the situation, right? But like, wouldn't you, and even against Steven Adams, I'd probably deploy a Kelly Olenek. Right? Yeah, you could you could deploy Olenek against that, understanding that Olenek is slightly undersized there, but knows knows his way around a, a guy who's bigger than him. Like, yeah, and I, I look at a Jared Vanderbilt and against a team like Phoenix, he played twenty three minutes, which is probably pretty close to what he should have played. Right, twenty three minutes, he gives you seven boards and six points. I'm fine with that, right? But can he be a guy that develops into a thirty five minute player against Phoenix? That's the question on Jared Vanderbilt that I need. Yeah, to I think answer. that's tough. I, th I think it's I think it's tough to say. I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, if you're a Western Conference Finals contender, yeah, he's probably your seventh guy coming off the bench like that. Like he's he's the seventh seventh guy on your roster. That's probably who he is. But Again, I also think that if Jared Vanderbilt has the want to, which I believe he does, 
and he develops a little bit of a jumper, like if he had the elbow jumper in his bag, how many more minutes would he get? How much more could you do with it? But you know? I go like, back to, I, this is what I said about Rudy Gobert. I agree. I'm with you. If yeah. Rudy Gobert could dribble, did anybody see what he did? On, I think it was yesterday I was tweeting about this. He tried to dribble, stripped it away from him. Tried to play with his back to the basket. Tried to turn, stripped it away from him. Like, <coughs> I don't think you can ask a Tiger to change its stripes. And I look at Jared Vanderbilt. That jump shot is ugly. It is. If you want him to shoot threes from the corner, he can make those. Play with that. Play with that. That's that. That's that He's skill. Twenty-three years old, though. Right. It's the only thing I'd say. That's the skill I want to see him develop. Yeah. Because if all he ever does is hit corner threes, I'm fine with that. If he gives me a high level of defense and hits corner threes, I'm fine with that. He is. Again, I look at guys that I would compare to him, like a Patrick Williams. He's better than Pat Williams right now. Like I, Patrick Williams of the Chicago Bulls. I think that's one of the best trades Danny Ainge never made. I, I, honest to God, I think your best trades and your worst trades are the ones you don't make. And I think Patrick Williams is absolutely a, non, a non-starter a non in this league. I don't see the ceiling that everybody raves about with Pat. Yeah. But I look at Vando, and I, and I see that ceiling there. I do. Jeremy Bolton says, what are you talking about? The Raptors mascot can stop book all day, every day. Well, potentially. They're casual. Potentially. Uh, Jacob DeLambo says, Vando better than Buckets O'Bench. Well, not the way that Bucket O'Bench is playing now. Yeah. I think, and this is part of the dysfunction we saw in this club last year, Royce O'Neal is actually playing really important minutes, and his three-point shot is vastly improved. But where did we see Royce O'Neal playing his basketball over the summer? In David Alexander's gym, where he got physically fit. Mm-hmm. He put him, He is in remarkable shape, and he was in all those summer runs, and his game is better for it. And again, I just look at, I look at the guys on this team. Mm-hmm. Where do you ever see Jordan Clarkson working out over the summer? You don't see him in those those top tier LeBron, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Durant, Kevin Durant. You don't see him in those runs. I see Donnie. I see Trey Young. I see Dejounte Murray. Yeah, Dejounte Murray is starting, finally starting to find his legs. By yeah. the way. But again, I just look at Donovan Mitchell, 32 points, five, five rebounds, only one assist. They only had 14 assists on uh, 33 made baskets yesterday in Cleveland. But Donnie's having himself quite the year. Donnie, please. You know, now he's averaging 30 points a game, which, by the way, I know Tanner, anybody could have, you know, projected it and seen it. Right. You know. Right. Jackalope. My point is, I told you, he's going to average 30 points a game. Donovan yep. Mitchell is absolutely an MVP candidate. And and I know that everybody is looking at his game and saying, you know, like he had a hezzy at the top of the key yesterday. Yeah. And I can't remember who it was. I probably won't be able to find it. But um, he had a hezzy at the top of the key. Oh, left-handed carry. Yeah, okay. This could have been a questionable carry. Yeah, come on. Come on. Come on. Esquite says, uh, Vando and Larry MVP are similar defenders. Larry MVP is nearly a locked... Who, Larry MVP. I, I think that I think he might mean Laurie. I don't know who, who you're talking about. Yeah, Laurie yeah. is not an MVP yeah, in any stretch know. of the imagination. Uh, Ken Williams says Kessler gets called for some questionable calls too, but he's a rookie and he doesn't understand what to do with his arms yet. Yeah. You don't get called because you fouled somebody. You get called for a foul in the NBA because it looks like you fouled somebody. Mm-hmm. That happens m- hundreds of times a night in the NBA. Yeah. And Walker Kessler is a giraffe out there right now. Like, he is a phenomenal shot blocker, instinctual defender, absolutely. 
but he also doesn't understand how to how to forearm check. He doesn't understand how to how to not extend those arms. Like one of the the major skills that Rudy Gobert has that a lot of other guys don't. When he goes to protect the rim, you don't see him all out here with his arms. And you see Walker Kessler right now using his forearm a lot in the air. Yeah. You're going to get called for that on a on a regular basis. Yeah. You're absolutely going to get called for that. And veterans so, know that, and they're taking advantage of it. By the way, who's the best team in the West? I mean, right now, probably the Suns or the Warriors. <laughs> the Golden State Warriors are not the best team in the West. Okay. Stop it. Stop it. Like, they're not the best. Well, I've won three in a row. And let me tell you, I was forearm strengthening to them the other night. Well. They're not the best team in the West. Stop. Um, I think if I had to pick one team, the best team in the West, I think by far is the Phoenix Suns. Without Chris Paul, because campaign is actually playing very well. They're very quietly 13-6. and six. And I say very quietly because I think they're getting huge contributions from DeAndre Ayton and, and Devin Booker. And the thing I was, you know, watching them over the weekend, you're starting to see that the Phoenix Suns have life after CP3. That's what you're starting to see here. Yeah. And notice the Robert Sarver nonsense has all gone away now. Now the team's not sold yet, but the Robert Sarver, he's a racist, he hates women, and he lets goats crap in people's office stuff yeah. has all gone away now. And so what you're seeing now... What you're seeing now is that you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing a guy in Devin Booker that's blossoming right before your eyes as an absolute stud. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you, you combine what Book's done and, and, and clearly his growth as a player and where the level he's playing at. When you combine that with, with DeAndre Ayton saying in a press conference that he's got to bring energy every night and he's got to be the one that, that is physical and, and leads the initiative on that— that's progress to me. That that is that is under the radar. Monty Williams doing his job, and I think I don't know how long DeAndre Ayton's in that system or or with that team, but as long as he's there, if he's going to contribute like that, that makes Book's life a lot easier. That opens more avenues for Booker, you, man. which is going to allow Devin Booker to dominate you. Like that's that's what has to happen. That's a process. He'll, my guy Book. Yeah, my guy Book. Will not win a championship until he leaves Phoenix. Mm -hmm. But he is just the game he's playing now, and he has been so wildly inconsistent shooting threes. But the way, that dude, I mean, just absolutely forget it. The guy is the guy's unbelievable, mm -hmm. and I I don't even know how you really explain the way that Devin Booker is playing. Because I think you're you're seeing we we saw it in the Jazz games, you know you you look at the way that Devin Booker is allowing DeAndre Ayton to operate, he's making DeAndre Ayton a more valuable player. Devin Booker is getting so many doubles, and the 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 go if you go back and watch the game, the Jazz actually tripled Devin Booker <laughs> with like a a lagging defender that allowed DeAndre Ayton to have all this space on the backside of the paint. Because he's taking that much attention. And his numbers like are not always great. Like Booker the other night, 8 of 27 for 27 points. 27 points on 27 shots is not good. Yeah, 1 of 7 from 3, but 10 of 11 from the line because he's getting fouled. And this is something else that everybody freaked out when I said it. 
The other thing the Jazz have to do is they have to learn to defend without fouling. Yeah. Because they commit some really stupid fouls. Yep. Well, and really. it's like guys like Book know, already know how to get fouled, even on the best defenders. Like, they understand angles and spots on the floor and, like, how they need to go about it to get to the line 11 times. So if you're going to stick your arms out and you're going to help them, they're going to get to the line 15, 17 times a night. And if that's the case, you're going to lose most of those games. Yep. And damn right, Giggity. Damn right. Devin Booker is making business decisions now that he dropped that Kardashian. <laughs> I got it. Maybe that should be one of the biggest stories in sports presented by Quick Quack Car Wash. Make sure you get to <laughs> Quick Quack Car Wash. All kinds of free car washes going on. Get to the, uh, the Quick Quack in the district in South Jordan. I have a wash pass with Quick Quack. I go a lot because, you know, Klaus the Audi driving up the mountain, back down forth all the snow this week. There's never been a better time to give the gift of car washes than there are right now at Quick Quack. And I will say, I was at the, the one at the district. The line was out to the parkway, out to the street. And I timed it. We were out of there in seven minutes. Like, they move you through very quickly. Yes. But I will say, there is car wash etiquette we need to talk about with Quick Quack. Okay. If you are in the tunnel and you are going through the dryers, if you just stand on your brakes so that you'll get more time in the dryers, by the way, there are cars behind you. You can't do that. Yeah. You just got to move through the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You know Come what on. I'm saying? Get your wash pass today, right now, a Quick Quack car wash. Make sure you tell them you heard about it. On the Monty Show at Quick Quack Car Wash. What do you think the biggest story in Utah sports is right now? I think pretty clearly it is, it is the Utes. I mean, the Utes going back to the to the the Pac-12 championship game Friday night. I think is a is a is a massive story. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the percentages, they were just not in their favor. Yeah, they were not in their favor. And now that Utah is back in the in the Pac-12 championship game Friday night, 6 o'clock at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, the USC Trojans are favored by two and a half. 67 points is the number. Yeah. Now, remember, what was it? A combined 83, 42, 41, I think, last time. Yeah. So 67 is not surprising. But is Utah the biggest story in Utah sports right Yeah, now? 100%. I, I think it's an, a phenomenal story. I think Kyle Whittingham deserves all the respect in the world. I think that 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 this team and this core group, before they move on, you know, has unfinished business. And I think that, you know, I, I, I look at this game, and, and this, to me, is one of the best games we're going to get in college football this year. And I know everyone says, hey, it's not the SEC, it's Pac-12, and yada, yada, yada. But what I'm here to tell you is, is that this Utah defense has a point to prove against Caleb Williams, and just the same way, Caleb Williams has a point to prove in his Heisman candidacy. And I think checking this box for Caleb Williams could very well seal the deal on his Heisman hopes. If he's able to win this game, that could that that's obviously going to help him. But I but but what I'm curious about in this game is this is an indoor football game, right? The last time they played, they played outdoor, obviously. So when I look at an indoor game. In a neutral site, the place is going to be going to be hopping. You know, SC travels well. Utah's obviously their fan base is going to be there. Like this has you know eighty point game written all over it. In my opinion, like this has absolute grinded out type football game written all over it. And I, and I think you you can't. This is uh, one you can't miss. Like you got to sit down and just watch this game because 
this could be, this is going to go one of two ways for Caleb Williams. You're either going to be really special and you're going to outplay a great defense or the Heisman's going to die on that field for you. So that's why I think this game has more ramifications than just the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, I. where are you at on the Heisman? Because it is so frustrating to me. I was looking at this last night as I was laying in bed without a shirt on and I was thinking to myself, okay, like, um, well, what? <laughs> What, 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 so, okay, so you didn't have a shirt on. Yeah. I was laying in bed last night. What's the problem? Anyway, um, so I was laying in bed last night um, looking at the, the rankings and the prognostications. <laughs> how on earth, how on earth is C.J. Stroud, the quarterback at Ohio State, still everyone's pick over Caleb Williams? Don't know, dude. You got... That air by Michigan. You got beaten badly. Yeah. 45-23 at the shoe. Yeah. And you can't win the Heisman Trophy when you get beat like that at home. That's an issue. You, you can't do that. Agreed. And I, I look at Caleb Williams. He, is, he has had, I think, as a starting quarterback in college football, Caleb Williams has had some of the most pressure on him of any of any player in all of college football because not only as Jake likes to say, oh, Lincoln Riley's a cheating screwhead. Dust up. Not only did he transfer from, <laughs> from Oklahoma to USC, the expectation was Pac-12 championship. Yeah. By the way, they're going to play for a Pac-12 championship on Friday night in Vegas. How about that? Like, he's, he's lived up to it. C.J. Stroud is not. And I, uh, again, with all due respect to all the people who are like, oh, the Big Ten. Hey, man. The Big Ten is, is what? The, with all it, due respect. It's deep? No, that's a lie. It's good? No, that's a lie. <laughs> well, you know, college football playoff? No, that's <laughs> a lie. Ohio State, and go back and watch the tape. I said it a thousand times last week. Yep. Ohio State's overrated. Yep. I can only say it so many times. Ohio State is overrated. Let's settle this right now. They lost by 20 points to Michigan. And C.J. Stroud is still the number one leading contender to win the Heisman Trophy. And that's why I say for Caleb Williams in this game, they're, for him just as a quarterback, not even for SC in the big picture, but just for him as a quarterback in his career, this may be one of the most important games he's ever played because not only is the Heisman on the line, but to your point, my feelings aside about SC... They are playing for a Pac-12 championship. You are playing for the Heisman. By the way, you are playing for redemption against Utah. I don't want to see you crying on the football field if you lose this game. I don't want to see it, right? Yeah, what I, I want is in the postgame presser for you to say that Utah was better and we didn't execute here because that what that's going to do is that's going to really stand out at the next level, which is all he should be thinking about right now. I think it's Caleb Williams, and I think it's Max Duggan at TCU. That's it. That's all. And if USC, yeah. and again, my a-hole brother loves to hate me when I say USC is always in the conversation for the national championship. They always have been and they always will be. And guess what? Are they undefeated? They're not. Have they lost one game? They have. And they're number four in the country. And they're probably going to be top four in the college football playoff. Are they one of the best teams in the country? I actually think they are. Mm -hmm. Now, again... Genius. I know that Lincoln Riley's a cheater. Totally get that. <laughs> totally get it. Right? 
But Lincoln Riley has done exactly what he was supposed to do. How much does college football need SC to be good? Like, how much does college football need them to be in the in the in the college football playoff now? I think they need. I think they need it desperately because without Alabama in there, and if if LSU wins the, and I know this is crazy talk, if LSU beats Georgia, Georgia is the SEC champion not in the college football playoff? Mm. Ask yourself that question. Has anybody thought about that? What if LSU somehow beats Georgia? No, I think Georgia probably gets in. right? I, I, because, again, if we're all talking about how, oh, there are four best teams in the country, your mom's hot, right? If we're talking about the four best teams in the country, Georgia yeah. has to be in. 100%. They'll get in. LSU's a three-loss team already. They're not going. Yeah, in. I mean, you just you can't, you can't do it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Where are you guys at on this? Um, uh, Caleb Williams for the Heisman Trophy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ruff's official says C.J. Stroud, Blake Corm, and Max Duggan are the better Heisman candidates than Caleb Williams. Well, you should watch college football before you say <coughs> dumb things. <coughs> I mean, I I don't know what like C.J. Stroud over. Caleb Williams means that you don't watch college football. Yeah. Saying saying that that Corum belongs in over Caleb Williams. It, yeah, it's just yeah. Come on, uh, Mike Maple says uh, how many Heisman's is that for Lincoln Riley QBs now? Like seventy eight. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. All right. Give me five minutes on. Does the college football playoff work? In, in your opinion, does the college football playoff work? Because when you look at Utah USC. Should USC be playing for a national championship? Yeah, I mean, I think that the Pac-12, you know, desperately needs somebody to be to be dynamic and needs somebody to actually get into the college football playoff. But does the college football playoff work? Does, you know, does the process work? No, I think it's flawed. I think that, you know, this LSU conversation might be the the best example. You you have people that are going to say that, you know, if LSU wins the the SEC championship that that they should get in as a three-loss team. And, and what I'm saying is that there's no way that they should get in as a three-loss team. When you have Georgia, who at that point would be a one-loss team, that, like, it just shouldn't take place. I look at, in the, and if we zoom out in the bigger picture, like, yeah, there's this conversation around how, how, you know, the college football playoff is very limiting, that, that like, a team like TCU, as an example, has to be perfect. Like if TCU loses one game, they're done. It's over. You're, you because you don't have that credit. So to me, when I when I ask the question of should how like how bad does college football need SC to be in the college football playoff? I think they need it really bad. Like I think if you go back to the Pac-10 days when when SC was a juggernaut and a powerhouse and in in everyone's cup of tea, college football was really good in those days because it was reliable. Right. And now I feel like we've gotten to a place where we've moved on from Alabama being the best team in college football every single year. And now that's shifted to Georgia. And now we're starting to get a little bit of sprinkling in of random teams like TCU getting in. Right. Or or you look up and down the AP top twenty five, like Penn State at number eight is a joke to me. Penn like the Big Ten, I'm sorry, is just not they're just not relevant. Like they're not. And that's why getting comments about how C.J. Stroud is is a, a better Heisman candidate when he just got his ass beat in his building by Michigan, that's that's how I know that there are issues. That's how I know that people don't watch Pac-12 football. And that gets me right into the 
distribution thing and and is it going to be a streaming league and and all that good stuff so to me that's why i say sc's got to be there they have to be there and caleb williams to me if he wins this football game is a no-brainer for uh, a, a heisman winner how is he not and by the way again whether lincoln riley cheats or not i don't think he does but my point is is that whether Why? he cheats or not sc is good and that's good for college football whether jimbo cheats or not whether the sabinator cheats or not the, like them being good is good for college football but none of that matters if we just stay in this this caveman setup of four teams in a college football playoff it should be like it's going around twitter right now that if we had the new system in place this year, mm -hmm. that a team like North Carolina would get an opportunity. That a team like, I think it was Purdue, would get a fringe opportunity if they won this game. Like, that's what college football needs. Purdue. Like, but you see my point? Like, college basketball, you get these random teams that win a game they Randos. shouldn't win. Yeah. Like, that's what I think college I mean, football like needs. Gonzaga? Yeah. Um, Gonzaga. I think, I think you're right. That Gonzaga. And a couple of things. <laughs> Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Uh, on a couple of fronts, I think that college football is better when USC is better. Yeah. I think that USC quarterbacks have an, a, a really big Heisman advantage. When you look at Caleb Williams, and I see the hotly contested, you know, I see the hotly contested comments. Like Ruff's official says, Ohio State lost to an undefeated Michigan team. USC lost to a 9-3 and three Utah team. Caleb Williams is ranked fifth in stats. Stats. <clears throat> the Heisman Trophy is not about stats. It's about moments. It always has been. It always will be. Mm -hmm. CJ Stroud doesn't have a moment because their strength of schedule sucks. <laughs> and they lost to the best opponent. They didn't. How do I, how do I make people understand this? They didn't lose to Michigan. Right. That game was in Columbus at the shoe. And it's the only game on their schedule of consequence. And they got their ass kicked. They didn't lose. They got boot heel. Like, think of the worst way. Like, you it's didn't Michigan. Lose in overtime by it's, one point. Like, but it's it's you Michigan. Got dominated. It's Michigan. Yeah. It's it's your the only game of consequence on your schedule because the Big Ten sucks. Yeah. Now, nobody remember this. Nobody's talking about their win over Notre Dame. Nobody is talking about that game. And maybe they should be, but they're not. Mm -hmm. What are they talking about? They're talking about they got just crushed. Ohio State got crushed by Michigan. Because it's garbage. And as far as quorum goes, Michigan crushed Ohio State with mostly, for the most part, without him. Because he's got the injury, and he's wearing that massive knee brace that's bigger than he is, by the way. There's just no way that C.J. Stroud or or Quorum or any of these other Jamokes can win the Heisman Trophy. Like I, And the one you're not talking about is Max Duggan. Yeah. They're, TCU is undefeated. But you see my point with that. that like, TCU is the perfect example of a team that hasn't been in the college football playoff or the AP in recent years and now has stepped forward. And why are they doing that? Because they're getting great quarterback play. And why did Ohio State lose to Michigan? Because C.J. Stroud threw those two interceptions. Yeah. They lost largely because Stroud did not perform.
Facts. You can't win a Heisman Trophy when the only game of consequence is one of your worst games of your career. Not of your season, <laughs> of your career. You can't give him the Heisman Trophy. Blake Corum, you got hurt. It is what it is. The Heisman Trophy is about moments. You had no moment against Ohio State. Yeah. They won without you. And by the way, who won the game? The quarterback won the game. It, it like the, the guy that you should be talking about is Bryce Young. You want to, your, your underdog should be Bryce Young. Why is, why are we not allowed to in college football as we do football 50, 10 to the hour, every hour on the Monty show presented? Um, no, I'm not going to talk about Drake right now. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be suckered into your garbage. Anyway, the point is. Why are we not talking about the fact that Alabama, supposedly the sixth best team in the country? Well, you know, Bryce Young can't win the Heisman. They've lost two games. Who are their two losses to? Number six, Tennessee, and a number 10 LSU team that's going to play for the SEC championship. Let me ask you this. Who's more deserving uh, 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 of getting in? An undefeated Michigan team? Or let's surmise, if LSU wins the SEC championship, how much does that help Alabama? A lot. A lot. If Utah beats USC, tell me that you can't make an argument to have to have Alabama in. Because I think I could make that argument. Yeah, well, and that's the thing for SC. They can't afford to lose to Utah at all on any level. Like, you have to win that game like to have any hope. And do you understand how good Bryce Young is? I don't think people understand it. I think all we talk about at Alabama is Nick Saban and his defenses and, and his speeches. I'm telling you that Bryce Young is a stud. And I I'm I think I can make the argument that when your only two losses are to number six and number ten, and you have wins over just about everybody. And you play in I, the SEC. Like it's amazing that to me. Has to matter. You're ten and two, and you're not going to the college football playoff. Alabama's ten and two, and they're not going to the college football playoff. Yet we want to talk about the fact. Oh, Michigan's undefeated. Michigan doesn't have that schedule. Michigan doesn't have those results. What would like, Michigan be with that schedule? Come on, four losses. Three losses? I, I, look, I, I have a lot of respect for what Michigan's done. They got five first-place votes and probably deservedly so, but what's their best win? There's no doubt it's an overrated number two Ohio State, right? Because other than that, number 10 Penn State, is Penn State really one of those teams where you're like, oh, man, we got to – I mean, Penn State, wow, can't believe they're no. – I mean – No, they're not. Penn State lost to the only two teams of consequence on their schedule, Michigan and Ohio State. This is a two-team league. It's a two-team league. I'm telling you, Alabama is one of the four best teams. Do they deserve to get in? Probably not. Tomorrow night when the college football playoff rankings come out, SC should be fourth. And I think I think the AP probably has it right with, with Georgia one, because Georgia's the best team in the country by yeah. a lot. Yeah. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC are the four best teams in the country. As far as wins, losses, who should be ranked where, I, I don't even disagree with it. I think mayhem happens if LSU beats Georgia. If LSU beats Georgia, I don't even know what you do. I, I, honest to goodness, I have no idea what you do. If, if, if LSU wins the SEC championship. Put them both in? 
No, you can't put you. Can't, I, I, you mean Georgia and, yeah. and Bama? George, no, Georgia and LSU. You can't put LSU in. LSU's a three-loss team. I agree. Can't but, do it. But LSU's going to say, it. "Hey, we beat Georgia." I, I, I don't. Are we not in? That's what they're going to say. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't. I, yeah, Sean Mirzinski. Good morning. I watched Bryce Young in in high school. He was a baller then, and he's even more of a baller now. Yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, he is. There's there's no doubt about that. I, I do. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, I agree with what Tom said earlier. Cam's NFL depends on this game. Yes, it does. If, yep. if Cam Rising wants to go to the NFL you or wants to be drafted, if Cam Rising wants to be drafted, he's got to beat USC gotta twice have, in one you gotta, season. Dude, 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Because let's be honest, Cam Rising against USC was nothing short of phenomenal. Yep. I mean, and they're going to need is, that again. Like, I, I hope people understand. You should not expect Utah to win this game. You should expect SC to win the game. But again, Cam has a propensity of pulling out special, you know, performances in big games. Yeah, I'll pull out special. Um, I'm just telling you that Cam Rising against USC is the best game of his career. Arguably one of the best regular season games by a quarterback in the history of Utah football. Which means they're not even in the same league as Papa Murphy's Pizza. Papa Murphy's presents how to change the way you pizza. Step one, carefully knead dough. Step two, artfully spread sauce. Step three, add fresh mozzarella and assemble toppings. Step four, realize we already did all that for you. So all you have to do is bake it. For a limited time only, get the hog heaven pizza with Canadian bacon, ground sausage, and crispy bacon. Papa Murphy's. Change the way you pizza. Use the promo code MONTY25, Papa Murphy's Pizza, MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase <laughs> of $25 or more. Okay, now listen, just settle down, friends. Okay, I'm entered to win. Settle down. Are we you? are trying to get enter in. to win the DJ Khaled Air Jordan 5s yep. that just dropped in the sneakers app. I'm in line. I'm in line as well. Okay, let's go. We've probably got five, six minutes to wait here. Let you know. Let's see. Let's get Mrs. Monty in sneakers. Yeah. App. Yeah. AJ five. Turn up your drops. Yeah. Okay. The chances of us winning this are slim and none. And and Slim just left the the building because this is one of the hottest shoes. Yeah. Uh, in recent times, and I want this shoe desperately. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. Do you feel confident about confident about it at all? Um, I think we've got a shot. We're not on Wi-Fi. We're on data, which always helps. It um, does. I would agree. Um, we got in right on time. You know, if you can get in inside the first minute, you have a, sh- a chance. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think we've got a shot. All right. Let's find out. We'll uh, keep you up to date on that. The Monty Show presented by the Advocates, UtahAdvocates.com. Uh, if you've been in a wreck, if you've been injured, guys, I, I, I say it every day. I say it multiple times a day. The advocates are where you want to be because they're just that damn good. I mean, it, it is this whole thing about our reliance on our insurance companies. And yeah, I, I'm one of those guys that always tells you your your insurance company um, is only worth the amount you pay them when you get in a wreck. Absolutely, that's true, right? But when you've been injured in a car accident, don't rely on your insurance company. You can't do it. You have to call the advocates. Get to their website, utahadvocates.com, because there's no upfront cost for you. Um, you know they're, they're helping you defer your out-of-pocket medical costs, so that's why they don't ask you uh, for any consultation fee. There's no huge retainer at the advocates. You do not pay them unless and until they win your case. That's the deal they make with you. They are the best injury attorneys in the business, 
And they're going to make sure that you focus on getting healthy, that you focus on, hey, I need to get back to work. I got to pay my bills. Hey, let's defer your medical bills. That's the, the kind of caring and compassion. And the word that comes to mind when I think about the advocates is empathy. Your insurance company doesn't have empathy for you. And empathy is understanding your position, right? That's what empathy means. Hey, being able to relate to where you are and what's going on in your life, that's the advocates. You form a relationship with the attorneys at the advocates. They're going to fight for you and they're going to get you that best possible outcome. That's why they're the best injury attorneys in Utah. Check them out online at uh, utahadvocates.com. And I'm telling you, they're just fantastic at what they do. They are absolutely fantastic. I can't, I've known Matt Driggs and the guys at The Advocates for over 10 years. Check them out online at utahadvocates.com. And I see everybody talking about this Heisman thing. And, yeah, what are you people know, saying? And, what, well, what then there's saying? Ken Williams who says, you talk like a bunch of girls on shoes. Well. It's a lifestyle, bro. Yeah, bro. It is this absolutely is a, very a, rare, a, a, this is a lifestyle. Got to have it in the collection. Got to have five, it in the collection. Like, Got to have it, dude. Have to. Um... Sean Mirzinski says, uh, is arguing with Ruffs, who says USC had a close game against UCLA, Cal, and Arizona. Close games don't matter. What, what do close games matter? And by the way, if close games matter, then how are you sitting here defending Ohio State? And how are you then, if you look at, at TCU, they had a close game against Baylor. They had a close game against Texas. They had a close game against Texas Tech. They, I mean, like they had a close game against Oklahoma State. So is the logic that if you have close games and you win, those those wins are diluted? What is it, that what we're saying? Close games, dude. Wins they're undefeated. Win, yeah, they're undefeated. And if you're, it, it, and this is my problem with, you know, again, I'll, I'll I'll point to Michigan now. Michigan blows out Ohio State, yeah. but they almost blew the whole thing against Illinois, nineteen seventeen. But again, right? Hey. Wins a win, right? Still, still got the win, right? But if you go up and down their schedule, they've played a bunch of cupcakes. Michigan's schedule has been Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Maryland, Iowa, Indiana, Penn State, Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois, and Ohio State, and they finish with the Big Ten championship game against Purdue. They let you down, and you're honestly telling me? I thought you said the Big Ten championship game was Purdue. You, and you're honestly telling me? You won or you lost. What are we talking about? Right? Sean Mirzaginsky says, Ruffs, you play who's on your schedule. That's all you can do. SC had a much tougher schedule than Ohio State as well. Oh, SC schedule. And again, I I will just... Talk about close games. The Utah game was a one-point game. I'll look at USC. And again, look at their wins. How good does their 17-14 win against Oregon State at Reeser? In Corvallis, USC yeah. went up to Corvallis and beat Oregon State. How much does that win matter now? Yeah, ask Oregon about that. Right? You look at, you look at Washington State, 30-14. to 14. Washington State's a 7-5 and five team. Not a great win. Utah, 43-42, their only loss of the season, is against the team that they have redemption in mind with, the Utah Utes. And if USC beats Utah on Friday night in Vegas... There's no doubt they should be in the college football playoff. Agreed, 100%. Like, it's not even it, it's not even a, a conversation. That's what I'm saying. This whole this whole concept of like, oh, well, they barely beat this team or that team. Well, when you're undefeated, like for TCU, the thing is that undefeated card is a major card, dude. Yes. When, you have, when you can say, 
hey, we haven't lost yet. We are in the college football playoff. We have not lost a game yet. Like, that's why I'm saying, like, with Georgia, you haven't lost a game yet. Wow. How about um, Pete Thamel at ESPN saying that Nebraska is close to hiring South Carolina OC Marcus Satterfield as their new offensive coordinator. I'm telling you, Matt Rule is going to be the hire of the offseason. Yeah. He you is want to talk already about relationships. He is already building a staff <clears throat> that that is bananas. I'm telling That's you, amazing. I'm, I'm telling you guys, whether it's Rule or it's Fickle or anybody else, this yeah. this ball rolls downhill. So you hire a couple of good coaches. Now that attracts players. Now that attracts booster money. Now we're winning national championships. It's Dude, that's why SC how, has been able to turn around so fast. How much better did the Big Ten get with Fickle and Matt Rule? Yeah, you add Fickle at Wisconsin. You know he's gonna. He already dominates the Midwest in recruiting. You, I mean, Wisconsin's gonna be better for this, unfortunately, because <laughs> um, I hate Wisconsin. I hate the Packers. Does anybody like Wisconsin? Um, there are many. Unfortunately. Um, so that's a great hire for Wisco. And then I, I look at Matt Rule at Nebraska. Trev Alberts, the AD at, at Nebraska, Trev Alberts absolutely crushed people's souls with that hire. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Are you telling me right now that Texas A&M, if they didn't have the buyout they have on Jimbo, wouldn't have fired him to hire Matt Rule? Oh, 100% you would have. You would have. Yeah. Come you on. You would have. Yeah. Uh, San Diego State says you put LSU in. Uh, should they beat Georgia? Joe, you can't put him in. No, you can't. No, you put can't him in. Three lost teams have no place in the college football playoff right now. Ken Williams says Utah wins. Who cares what's best for the Pac-12? Well, I care. I mean, I, I as yeah. much as as much as I hate you know Kleavkov and the whole Kleavkov. Please, yeah, I'm sorry. I, as much as I hate George Kleavkov and his back of the envelope calculations, I, I would love to see the Pac-12 find a way because I actually do believe the Pac-12. Uh, has the opportunity to be the best conference in college football. They just don't act like it. They don't run it that way. By the way, Arizona State is hiring Idaho State defensive ends coach Vince Army as their on-field defensive coordinator. Um, former assistant coach at Arizona. Extensive high school experience in Arizona. It's a good hire. I'm telling you, man. Well, but some you of have these to be hires, aggressive. You have to be aggressive. Some of these hires are are bananas. Like, it, like for instance, I, I mean. I, I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see exactly how, exactly how Nebraska finishes with Matt Rule's staff. You ain't first, um, you're last. I mean, I, I, I cannot believe that Luke Fickle went to Wisconsin. Hey, you know, I, I think Luke is someone who's had to deal with the, the little brother perception of Cincinnati. You know, and yep. he's paid the price for that. And by the way, Kenny Dillingham going to Arizona State, leaving leaving Oregon. Whoo, come on now. He is a you want to talk about a power recruiter. I'm telling you, Kenny Dillingham can recruit. Yeah. He can he can absolutely recruit. There is there is just no doubt about that. Yeah. And I yeah. I love I love the Pac twelve. I love college football. I think this is going to be one of the best off seasons we've seen ever. Uh, let's see. Giggity says, look at Caleb Williams numbers in those three close games. USC won because of Caleb Williams. He's an absolute difference maker, dude. He's an absolute difference. maker. Dude, They win because of Caleb and they lose because of buddy at Ohio state. Come on. You have to add more teams to the college football playoff. Oh, you do there. There is just no doubt about that. It should be eight. It should be eight. 
in my opinion. But why wouldn't you? I think 12 is the right number. That's just my no, opinion. You can go 12, yeah. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't go 12. Do 12 and have first round buys. I can see that. That works. I, I think you need, I think I think you absolutely have to have it. Yeah. I, I I just, yeah, that that's just my opinion. Um, I think you have to have at least 12 yeah. because I think you have to broaden the, you need the Boise, Utah, BCS buster yeah. scenarios. You, I think those are really good because it keeps more fans engaged, you know, and if you're taking, you know, if you're taking two from the SEC, it makes LSU getting into the college football playoff more palatable. Yep. Right now, it, again, I still maintain and if you look at the rankings the way they are now, if we just look at if we just look at the college football rankings, and you say, okay, well, you know, TCU. By the way, am I the only one that noticed it? That again, the Big Twelve just gets it. Having Dr. Pepper as your, you know, your your champion game, your championship game sponsor. Yeah. Like, why doesn't why doesn't the the Pac-12 have a championship game sponsor it's the oh, pac-12 right. championship it's game it's the pac-12 but it's the dr pepper big 12 championship game yes right it is the you know you look at Dude, the you either understand sales or you don't and the pac-12 doesn't and i'm kind of surprised the sec doesn't have one and i'm kind of surprised and it used to be like i i want to say it used to be chick-fil-a but that kind of fell apart it'll be interesting anyway if you look at the if k-state finds a way if K-State, who is nine and three, finds a way to beat TCU, and I'm still not 100% sold on TCU. That's just a me thing. Well, I think, I, I think they're that team this year, though. You were talking about how you needed, like, the BCS Buster-style team. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the role they're playing. They're playing little brother in the college football playoff. They can't they lose, obviously. And they need to go in and have a strong showing. And even if you do lose in your first game in the college football playoff, as Ruff said, if you lose by one point, you're looking pretty good, Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think that they have a role to play this year. K-State never gets in. No. Right? But number five, LSU. If they're 10-3, and three, can you put a three-loss team in? No. Not this year. Oof. You have 12 teams in the playoff? Okay, now we can talk. If Georgia loses, are they in? Yes. I, they have, they have to, be. to be. They're the best, dude. They're the best team in the country, and that's their first loss How of the year. How pissed would people be? How pissed would people be? Well, like, oh my Brian God. Brian Kelly would lose his mind if they beat Georgia. And is that is that is that neutral side or where do they play that game, by the way? Which one? Uh LSU Georgia, SEC Championship. Is that a Jerry World or uh, where is that? That is at Oh no, that's uh, probably at Mercedes Benz. It is in Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. So I mean that's a you know, that's I a Georgia. I still want to call that man. I I just can't get used to the the crypto.com yeah like then all the name changes i still can't get used to not calling it the georgia dome i just can't i can't i it's you play football at the georgia dome yeah and and i i look i yeah anyway yeah i look at that i look at uh the the dr pepper big 12 championship is at jarrow world mm -hmm. um so we'll we'll see yeah people would be pissed if georgia gets in uh, let's see. Justin Sal says, can we officially call the Rudy trade the worst trade in NBA history? Why? Why? It's the best trade in NBA history if you're Danny Ainge. Yeah. What, what do you like, mean? What are you talking about? I think that's awesome. Giggity says, Georgia will roll LSU and this won't be a discussion. I hope so. I think that's likely. I think you're right, Giggity. I, I, don't, I don't see any way LSU wins. Second. I think Georgia is by far the best team in the country right now. Yeah. By that's why far. they're undefeated. That's why by they haven't lost. far. <laughs> Man, and and you look at what you look at the way that Bama lost, man. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not here for the... I still think Alabama is one of the best teams in the country. Absolutely. I do. And I'm never, I'm never going to say a crossword about Nick Saban. I just think he's the best college football coach ever. They're good. dude. Oh my God. Yeah. Look, I think that, I think that the Sabanators had a little bit of an off year and they're still a damn good football team, you know? And I think that Kirby smart has done an incredible job over the last three to five years of tracking down Nick Saban. I, I mean, think about it. Before Georgia got to this level, they were in the championship games with Alabama, except they were the losing team, right? Like, they were the losing team, and that's okay. That's the process in college football. But, again, and and I and I, I would, I hope BYU fans, with everything going on in the program, pay attention. Program. Right? Kirby Smart came into a struggling Georgia program and recruited and took his losses and turned those losses into positives and did his job. And now you're the number one team in the the nation. And I'm not saying that BYU is ever going to be that, but that process is what needs to take place but, in Provo. But by the way, does the Oregon win still look like a really good win for Georgia? Because mm. after that, it was Samford, South Carolina, South Carolina, Kent State, Missouri, Auburn, Vandy, Florida. Their best win is Tennessee by far. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State. But again, how'd you beat Tennessee? That wasn't that close. 27-13. You dominated that team. Georgia Tech. And now you're playing LSU. (coughs) I could see a way. I could see a way. And I hate saying it because he's a POS, but that Brian Kelly beats Georgia. (laughs) Why? I could see it at LSU. That program, Uh I mean, they've jumped leaps and bounds under Brian. Yeah. Now, typically, Brian wins this game, but then gets into the playoff and gets his his doors blown off. Yes, yes. If LSU wins that game, you're going to have to put them in. So I'm saying they're a three loss team. You can't put them in. That's my point. But this is so, again, before. I went on my rant about how the college football playoff is garbage. This is why it's garbage. Yeah. Because we got to sit here and debate, well, uh, hey, if LSU wins the SEC championship, is that an auto bid? Is that a three as a three-win team? Like, we shouldn't yeah. have to do that. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, Tim Bruckmiller says, Joey McGuire was a former president of Texas High School Coaches Association and knows all the Texas high school coaches. And Matt Rural hired him when he went to Baylor. Yeah. And listen, I think Matt Rule is he is going to have a staff of staffs. Yeah. He that dude. But again, that's where the recruiting trail starts. You have to have a good staff to attract players. And Matt Rule's always been a foot, you know, boots on the ground. He's always been a guy who's out there doing the job. Yeah. And I think I just it's remarkable to me in a 24-hour stretch that the Big 10 got exponentially better. Yeah. I mean, Wisconsin and in Nebraska Hiring Again, those hires are dude, amazing. I'm telling you, it's a it's a two conference landscape in ten years. Yeah, the Big Ten and the SEC. Yep, I agree. Uh, football talk on the Monty Show, as always, presented by Barbecue Pit Stop, bbqpitstop.com. The best dudes in the business. I'm telling you, go check them out online, bbqpitstop.com. And listen, you already know that Barbecue Pit Stop has the best equipment in the business. Whether it's a Traeger, a Big Green Egg, a Yoder. You name it, they've got it. They have got the very best in barbecue and pellet smokers. 
And again, I'm a pellet smoker guy. I I am. Like, I, I saw everybody that was smoking their turkeys over the weekend. I'm a man! I think the days of deep frying your turkeys should have ended years ago and probably never started. Yeah. I would tell you if you're a charcoal briquette or a propane guy, you're doing it wrong. Get the pellet smoker. Get it from Barbecue Pit Stop. But no matter what you cook on, there are spices, rubs, seasoning. There are bags of wing dust. They're amazing. All of their rubs and seasoning, the asado seasoning, amazing. Their equipment from things like tongs, aprons, thermometers. Tongs. Tongs, because every man needs tongs. I'm a man. You, you, I oh, am yeah. a man. Sorry. Thank I'm you. I'm a man. Appreciate that. Sorry. I'm just telling you right now, Barbecue Pit Stop's where it's at. Check them out online, bbqpitstop.com. Again, somebody who gets it, you can chat with them online. I love their chat feature. You can say, hey, I'm making a brisket this weekend. Do I really need to wrap it? Hey, do I really need to let it rest in a cooler? Hey, Ask guys. them, bbqpitstop.com. Tell them you heard about it. On the Monty Show, of course, you can always stop into any of their five Utah locations uh, from Logan, Layton, Salt Lake City, Murray, uh, Lehigh, and St. George. But don't hesitate to shop online at bbqpitstop.com. Uh, Barbecue Pit Stop always oh, brings you BYU, man. Utah. You didn't get it? Didn't get it, dude. Didn't get it. I haven't gotten Damn. an answer yet. I just, 20 minutes in the queue just to find out I didn't get it. I won't get it because I wear a size 15 shoe. So Man. we were actually at a, and I can't remember the name of the place now. Shoot. It's downtown Salt Lake. Evo. E yeah. We were at Evo and, um, Evo was super cool yesterday. Um, I've never been in that building. They have a skate park. They have a skate shop. They have a ski shop. They have a snowboard shop. Um, it, it was an amazing experience. Um, but they I'm don't, carry, they don't carry size 15. Damn. So, you know, I, I didn't need new boots, but Mrs. Monty got new boots yesterday, um, even though she's hacking up her lungs. Um, she got new snowboarding boots. We now have matching snowboarding boots. Oh, isn't that um, nice? But yeah, I, if, you have, if you're a ski or snowboard guy, go check out Evo downtown. It is a really cool complex. They have a hotel there. Like, it's super cool. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's awesome in my opinion. But yes, I'm a... I'm a shoe guy. Riley O'Brien, them are fighting words for Hank Hill propane and propane accessories. No, man. No. Come on. No, come on. Come on, man. Come on. You got to get on that pellet smoker. Yeah. You got to go back and get on that pellet smoker. Uh, let's see. Uh, San Diego State says the Sabinator, little Nikki is a mono, monomer. Monomer? Okay. Whatever that means. I'm a huge Nick Saban believer. Yeah. I think he is fantastic. This is I, Coach Saban. I think the way he runs his program, I think from recruiting to accountability. It is if I say it is. I posted a thing yesterday about negativity. Again, if you're just tuning in, I've had a lot of conversations about mindset and negativity in radio over the last couple of days. Like it's a real thing. Like radio is having kind of like a reconciliation with themselves. And one of the things you see so often is that there's a lot of negativity. Um, and Nick Saban, you know, they, they win this game and he's not going to the college football playoff. And he's like, yeah, you know, nobody believed in us. Essentially he said nobody believed in us, but the guys in the room did. And they shut out all the negativity. And he talked about how the boosters that were talking junk about the program are hurting the program. And, and I totally agree with it. Yeah. I just think if, if you're going to say, if, if you are, if you are going to say negative things, about your job, about your family, about your program, about your, all you're doing is damaging things. Be, be a solutions-based 
person mm-hmm. in life didn't get it. God. <laughs> there is no solution for losing draws on the sneakers. Are we clear on that? Okay, I feel worse for living. Um, anyway, the point is, what did I? Why does Nike hate me? Why does Nike? What did I ever do to Nike? Why does Nike hate me? Yeah, I don't know, man. I Us? Did, no. My wife is now asking me. Am I? My wife is so sick right now. We're sleeping in different rooms. Damn. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, she said, "Did you get it?" I said, "No." What do you want to bet? My wife won this. This. She drug? probably did. She probably did. You know. Yeah, she probably yeah. did. Uh, San Diego State Aztec says, "Why do you, why do deleted posts still get read?" Ah, because we don't we don't read our comments off of YouTube. They come through a they come through a a, a program, a program. So yeah. Oh, we were supposed to have Scoot Henderson coming up here in about thirty minutes, but apparently he's injured and did not make the trip. Oh man! So no Scoot Henderson today. That's a bummer. Um, let's see. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, if you do, then I will do everything in my power to get work off to come to that. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, Tanner says, uh, guys, 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 just a quick question. Um, so, uh, are you going to go do a watch hey party guys. for the PAC 12 title game? Hey guys. I am not, I am not, but I am going to, I am going to the bulls game alone tonight. So, you know, that's fucking interesting, man. You know, which is, which is fine. Right. I mean, you know, it's fine. Yeah. You know, good. Um, good. Brian Skinner says Kalani has Derek Stevenson on speed dial. Okay, I don't think Derek Stevenson's a candidate. I I, I could be wrong. Uh, AK ninety two says going back to the amount of teams in the playoff. In my opinion, eight teams is perfect. P five champs auto bid. Okay, I'm down with that. Uh, and three at large teams. Get rid of the selection committee. Winning your conference should matter. It absolutely agreed. Should. So you're saying this year then. Yes. This year, AK-92. If LSU wins the, the SEC championship, somehow they beat Joe. You're telling me that LSU should be in the college football playoff. Yeah, because I think I think what he's saying there is the emphasis should shift from total overall record to winning your league, like to winning your But division. hasn't their edict always been that we are going to put – the four best teams in the college football playoff hasn't that's the stated goal of the college football playoff what right what defines like, best we are putting the four best team well and that's of course a question yeah we all know that that georgia is one of the four best teams in the country yeah but sitting here today can anybody tell me you don't think alabama is one of the four best teams in the country so I'm saying it's a difficult thing. You have to have a benchmark to measure. If LSU wins the SEC championship, are you telling me that they're not? They, at that point, Georgia and Alabama are wins on the LSU schedule. Are you telling me that LSU, as a three-loss team, is not one of the four best teams in the country? That's an awfully difficult argument to make. That's an awfully difficult argument. And that's to what make. I say. I don't think the system's ever going to be perfect, but I do agree that winning your your conference should matter. Winning, like winning, should be the emphasis, not someone's opinion on who the best four teams are. Yeah, yeah. I, I listen. I I think it's yeah. I don't know, man. I think that if, if you're asking me who the four best teams in the country are, you're not going to like my answer, because I still maintain that Georgia, Alabama, and if they beat. Georgia, LSU is one of the four best teams in the country, and three of those three of those teams are, all have one thing in common, and that's yeah. the SEC. Yep. Right? And if USC wins the Pac-12 championship game, USC should be in that conversation. 
right? Ohio State is not one of the four best teams in the country. Yeah. You know, Tennessee, no. Penn State, but that's absolutely what, but not. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think if it, if it was, you know, if you were doing it off conference championships, then I think, you know, then I, I, it just changes things. It simplifies everything. You don't need the human element leaves it, which I don't know. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I don't know how if you're 11th, right? If you're 11th in the, the, I don't even know how you would. LSU is currently 11th in the AP pool. They are 13th in the coaches pool. Yeah. If they beat Alabama and Georgia, you're telling me they're not one of the three best teams, four best Keep teams. Keep it real. Come on. But that's why everyone wants to expand. Yeah. Because I want LSU in the college football playoff. And in the current rankings, not this coming Tuesday, not tomorrow. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU were the top four in the college football playoff rankings. Yeah. Georgia will be number one. I think Michigan will probably be number two. TCU will be number three. And isn't isn't USC isn't USC number four? I would think. I yeah. would think. But I don't again. Again, LSU is the fifth team in the college football playoff ranking. And I uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's just it the human element is what is what we're what we're struggling with here. Like like ever like it, it literally is people's opinions. And 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 again, that's why I say, you know, winning should matter. Winning at the highest level has to matter. In, in sports, it has yeah, to matter, a three dude. Lost team now with that loss to A and M, you're a three loss team. Okay, then maybe you put a rule in that says you can only be a two-loss team. In the con- like, I, I don't know what you do about that, but what I I'm think, telling you is... I think if the AP has LSU at 11 because of this loss this weekend, where does the college football playoff ranking have them? Probably somewhere Seven, close. Let's say... Six? No. No. When the ranking comes out tomorrow. Because remember, LSU lost to Texas A&M to make them a three-loss team. You can't tell me that they are... You, I think no. I'm losing my mind on this. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking. You're not putting LSU in. You're not. You're not. You're not. Again, you're not. They have you're to not. beat Georgia. You're not. If they beat Georgia, you're still not putting them in. You're still not putting them in. You're not. Uh, Tim uh, Bruckmiller says the beauty of college football is that every game matters, even the first game of the season, i.e., Florida State beating LSU. Thus, LSU should not be in, even with a win over Georgia. Yeah. Uh, Steven Guild says after LSU's bad loss to a four-win A&M team, they drop out of the top 10. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating. Uh, honest to God, I do. Mike Maple says BCS had issues every year. There's no comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, not going to lie, it's hilarious to see BYU Twitter freaking out Sunday morning after Utah clinched another Pac-12 title berth. They kept crying, oh, Utah sucks. The system is rigged. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about all that. I don't know. I think it works. I absolutely think it works. I think the co- this is good. This the fact that we've spent all this time on the on the college football playoff tells you it works. Yeah, because I mean, it, it works, creates yeah. conversation. Yeah, it works. It makes some money. Yeah, it does. But I think that I I I think that it's just too archaic right now. It's too it's just too simple right now. I think you need a little more bandwidth, which we're gonna get. You know, whether that's eight or twelve, I don't know, but we're gonna get that. And then I think from there, that's when you're in perfect world because now 
the LSU conundrum is not really a conundrum. Now you're going to get, like, the USC-Utah get-back game. Oh. You're going to get that every year in the college football playoff when you have 12 teams. Yep. Uh, Provo Cougar fan says, if the two best teams, not divisions, play in their conference championship game, then, yes, the winner should be in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think, to your point, there's no perfect system. No. There's no perfect system. 8.30 on the Monty Show. Uh, the biggest stories in sports every morning presented by Quick Quack Car Wash. Make sure you get to Quick Quack Car Wash. You know it's going to be crazy weather uh, over the next couple of days. You know that we're going to have a lot of snow. You know that we are going to have a lot of salt on the road is what that means. That means you need to get your car washed. And there's no better place to do it than Quick Quack Car Wash. We go all the time. I actually have a wash pass because I care about my car. Um, so I take Audi Klaus. Yes. I named my car. Do you guys have names for your car? What do you name your car? My hey, car, Klaus. my car's name is not Claw. It's Klaus. <laughs> um, and I take him to the, uh, quick quack in, uh, South Jordan at the district. We were there. The line was all the way out to the street, uh, all the way out to the parkway there. And we were out in, you know, seven, eight minutes, which I love because you don't have to sit there and play with a machine. Um, they, you know, they get you through quickly. They give you that free dashboard wipe. The vacuums are always free. The towels are always free. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can wipe down the inside of your car, wipe down your mirrors. Like it's just a really good experience at quick quack car wash. The people are friendly and that makes a huge difference to me. I don't know why I care about it so much. It's why I don't ever use self-checkout because I like dealing with people and at quick quack, you actually deal with a human being. If you don't have a wash pass, you pay them, you know, you give me your credit card and they handle it for you. If you do, all you do is roll up. They put your license plate in and they give you a dashboard wipe and they say, hey, thanks for coming. And I just love that. I yeah. love that you get to deal with human beings. Um, and that's why we're in business. We quick quack car wash. All those locations are on entrepreneurs, local businesses. Go support local at quick quack car wash. Um, I, think, I think without question, I think... Today, right now, I think it's the Pac-12 championship game is the biggest story in sports. And that SC is a two-and-a-half-point favorite Friday night in Vegas over the Utah Utes. I think that's gonna, it's much must-watch. Yeah. But by the way, what happened to Oregon? Just waiting for the <coughs> Oregon fans. Come on in. Okay, I mean, let's talk where's, about it. Where's, uh, where's Buddy? Duck season or whatever yeah. the hell his name where, was. Where, <coughs> I mean, Dennis Dixon and Marcus Mariota and your mom. Like, where are they? You know, where, uh, I mean, Bo Nix for Heisman. You are fake. National championships. Phil Knight, you got Nikes and paint splatter uniforms. What happened? Oh, that's right. It went exactly as we said it would go. You went to Risa and you died. Oh, but injuries and everybody's hurt. Oh, what a loser. Oh, but, oh, you know, Bo Nix, he's got this leg thing. Yeah, Cam Rising's got something too. Everybody's hurt. It's What an idiot. It's November, dude. Football hurts. Yeah. Oh, but, well, um, hey, well, what about... Uh, no, bro, did you win the game? Well, Final. No. no, you didn't. Back is broken. You didn't. You, you got beat. Go home. Please do it quietly. Just, like, shut up. Shut, no, she, he's, Get the hell out of here with that. Shut up. Nobody cares. You're an Oregon fan. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody likes you anyway. I mean, you, you know that, right? Nobody likes you. Hey. Okay. Uh, that yeah. feels kind of not nice. Uh, Elisa Tuiaki out 
uh, as the defensive coordinator. He uh, announced he's stepping away from the BYU program onto his next Excuse adventure. Me. Program. Yeah, program. Thank you. Uh, no, it's it's not. It's program at BYU. Until they win something, it's program. Program, not program. Uh, Elisa Tuiaki out as a defensive coordinator. And as we told you last week, this is just the beginning. Significant changes are coming to BYU in the form of football, but also, um, you know, the money-making engine at BYU is broken. There is dysfunction between, you know, sponsor, ad dollar, and football, basketball. Because basketball is a part of this as well. What a start, by the way, for BYU and basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, change is coming to the BYU to the BYU athletic department. And I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. And it started with Elisa Tuiaki, who is out as a defensive coordinator. By the way, BYU beat Stanford. They win that game 35-26, finish the season 7-5. and BYU has now beaten every Pac-12 program in football. And they finish their independent season this year and in total as a program, 98 and 56. Yeah. Is there any doubt that independence was an overwhelmingly successful venture for BYU? I don't think so. I mean, you, you've made money, you've grown, you, I mean, obviously you're quite the winning program there with that record. Like, program. Yeah, I mean, you, you have done really well as an independent. There's no doubt about that. But I think now, you know, the sun is set on that, that time in, in BYU history and it's time to, to begin again uh, in Big 12 land. And I, and I honest, honest to God, like I look at the Matt Rules, the, the Fickles, like I look at all these hires this year, last year, like I just watching college football evolve. It does make me wonder, hey, what are these changes going to actually do? What, what impact will we see? Because to your point, and you said this earlier in the show, for those of you who missed it, um, you know, he had said, hey, like the Bill Bar deal, in, in NIL terms was a great deal. It was revolutionary. Like people were shocked by it, but amazed by it. Like it was a great thing. And now you really haven't heard too much in in terms of NIL. And that to me kind of speaks to uh, the turmoil and the dysfunction that is going on at BYU. And I think that as you head into the Big 12 and as you look to recruit more and as you look to do more things, you have to get on the same page. And, and frankly... Everything football related is on Kalani's shoulders, but I'm not so sure that that Kalani has much grip on what happens at, you know, sales meetings on campus. You know what I mean? Like in in BYU in terms of making money, and that's where I think it gets difficult for Kalani in his position because then that kind of trends more towards the Tom Homo side of things where you're talking business and you're talking about making money for an institution. So that's what I'm saying. Like it. it Tom Homel and, and, and Kalani have to remain on the same page, and they have to make pragmatic hires. The problem is, is hiring people at BYU is not as easy as other schools for obvious reasons. So I think that's the challenge in it. Yeah, by the way, uh, horrifying news. Oh, uh, God. Mrs. Monty won the shoe auction. Good God. Jeez. Dude, like. It's really unfair. Like, yeah. Um. It's brutal. Boyd Lake All says right, we're uh, going to move on here. Yeah, Kalani should go get Sean Newer or Lance Anderson from Stanford is suddenly available as well. Well, Sean's the guy you want. I mean, obviously you're at USC. What is he, the defensive line coach at USC? Um, you know, you know, I I think it's one of those deals where you have an opportunity to really culturally take a step forward, and I think I think Sean's 
far better of a candidate than Lance Anderson is, with all due respect to Lance. I, I, I just think that, you know, obviously as a recruiter, being poly, you know, being a BYU alum, um, you know, really just being Sean is a BYU guy, right? Has been an assistant here. Like, I, I mean, yeah, he's the guy you want. He's, in my opinion, he's, he, that's just my feeling. Uh, M. Morris says, let's not talk basketball. Ute's not ready for that. No, let's not. Let's not. Let's not. Um, you know, I just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tanner says, what a start for BYU basketball. Uh, they're four and three. Right. So, again, expectations. Expect- why, do, why are expectations such a problem for sports fans? I don't get it. Like, why is it? No, I'm not. No, Tanner, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it today, Tanner. I'm not. You want to? Ken Williams says, Mrs. Monty rocks. Yeah, she's just got a smoking hot pair of shoes. Uh, Jaron Eccles says, Jake's post about the Jags beating Baltimore was perfect. Yeah, that was a funny post. Okay. Uh, Tanner says, good for Mrs. M. No, it's not. It's terrible. You know, I, I, I want some chicken. Where are we at in society You today? know, can I get a steak occasionally? Yeah, come on. You know, I, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, real quick, one thing I want to touch on is, have you guys been following the World Cup of uh, football? Football. 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 Um, have you guys been following this thing with uh, Iran and the U.S. men's national team and really USA soccer? So you know that uh, the men's national team has to beat Iran tomorrow to move on. It's win and move on. Lose and go home. And for whatever reason... U.S. soccer thought it'd be fun to remove the logo from the Iranian flag and talk about equality and women's rights. <coughs> and Iran lost their wigs over it. Like, they freaked out. And they're calling for a 10-match FIFA ban for the US, U.S. men's national team and women's team. And they're calling for the immediate expulsion of the U.S. team from the World Cup. And I got to tell you, I agree with them. I, it is a shocking lapse in judgment from the U.S. Soccer Federation. I, I don't understand what you're doing. And do I agree with the ideology of Iran and the way that they treat other humans? I don't. But this is not the stage for that. FIFA has made it very clear this is not the stage for that. So for those of you who don't know, there was going to be armbands worn by all of, essentially all of the soccer federations globally agreed to wear LGBTQ armbands because of where the tournament is being held in Qatar, which is just horrendous. It's, it, it, it's horrendous. I don't think I need to get into it. But FIFA essentially said you're not going to do that. And if your captain wears a armband in support of the LGBTQ community, they will be issued a yellow card. The problem with that is two yellow cards is a match ban. So you miss a match after your second yellow card. So there's no way you could do that. So you know that FIFA does not support equality in this tournament. So you knew that and you thought it'd be a good idea to take the 
the logo off of the Iranian flag and take this stand now on social media. And then you, you had such a passionate belief system in the battle for equality with Iran that then you deleted the post. This is an embarrassment. It is another blight for the, for the United States Soccer Federation. It is another slap in the face of the women's U.S. national team. And it's a complete embarrassment for the men's national team. And I, I agree. And it's, it's even hard to say the words. I agree with Iran. There should be a, a, a 10 is a little much. They should be expelled from the tournament. It's ridiculous. This is an absolute embarrassment, what the U.S. Soccer Federation did here, and I don't understand it at all. Yeah, it, obviously it's a, uh, a very volatile situation. I mean, I, I tend to agree that it's, it's very distasteful and not smart to do that here. I, I think the only thing that I would say is that for the U.S. men's team and really the whole program, right, like USA Soccer, women and men, like I think – the World Cup is the biggest stage that they're ever going to get. And so I, this question of, you know, okay, if not now, right? And I understand. I'm not disagreeing with you. I agree they shouldn't have done it. But but my only question is, if not now at the World Cup, when would you have done this? When would have been, uh, or like what would have been a better way? Would it have just been to, like, before the World Cup or after the World Cup another time, just like issue a statement on it or something? Like, that's the only thing I struggle with for for the soccer program is like you don't really have, in my opinion, another better op- opportunity in in that sense. But FIFA has sent a clear message. True, Th- this yeah. is not the time and place. And to remove, I, I I I I don't even know what how you could. I mean, the Islamic Republic emblem that they took off of that flag. It, I mean, it's it, it is. It is everything to their culture. It is, it's not okay what the U.S. Soccer Federation did. This is not about standing with Iran. This is not about supporting Iran. This is, and nobody supports the way that Iran treats women. Nobody. But you can't do this. We are such hypocrites in situations like this. And I don't understand why you would, if you're going to post that, stand behind it, have some backbone, great. But then to delete the post yeah. is really foolish. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it is just, you're the U.S. Soccer Federation. You are a global joke. You, uh, you, we missed the World Cup four years ago. Like, we don't take t- soccer seriously in this country. We... Uh, MLS is it doesn't have local broadcasters and it's on your mom's Apple TV Fire Stick thing. Yeah. We don't take soccer seriously in this country. So you thought this would be the stage to stand up on and remove the the emblem from the Iranian flag? Make a make a hugely controversial statement which you knew it was going to be and then delete the post. I agree I I hate to say it but I, I they should be kicked out of the tournament. It's, it's a ridiculous, not only does it lack decorum, does it lack professionalism, it's amateur hour. It's an embarrassment for our country, what they did. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm amazed by it. 
I, I'm just amazed by it. I, I can't even. Yeah, I. I <laughs> if I'm you, not... why did you? Did, my biggest gripe. My biggest gripe is, if you're gonna make the post, make the post. Have some balls. Stand behind it. Let's go. Yeah. Well, and the other problem too that needs to be said is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the players didn't know they were gonna do this, right? And the no, players had the players had, to had do no idea. So, like, so to me, I. So, okay, I totally agree that it's amateur hour. I totally agree that we don't take soccer seriously. We missed the World Cup. We're not a world power in soccer. I agree with all of that. We, it's not like we're the Yankees of world soccer, right? I don't like even the, think the, like, the U.S. men's national team specifically because yeah. the women's team is a global power, even though they've faltered lately. But the U.S. men's national team is not even relevant. Yeah. In, like, it's not even a conversation. But, I, but, but my problem is, is, A, deleting the tweet, but, B, not telling your players you're going to do this. It comes off as if, like, literally, and I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it comes off as if, as if like, an intern just did this and, and posted it on the official but account. You, you also, like, but wait, wait, wait. You're over, you're, you're skipping the lead. You're defending women's rights when you don't even defend your own women's rights. You have the women's U.S. national team playing on experimental turf. You don't pay them. They had to threaten a walkout in the last World Cup. You have oppressed women's soccer as a, as a business practice. And now you're going to take a stand against inequality against women and, and abuse of women in Iran. That's who you are. And then you're so convicted in your beliefs that you deleted the post. You're a fraud. This is so bad. This is so bad. You've never demonstrated through your action that you care about women. You wanted to be relevant. Congratulations, you're relevant. You're kicked out of the tournament. That's what should happen here. The, the U.S. men's team should be kicked out of the tournament because the U.S. Soccer Federation is a joke. It's embarrassing. Yeah. I am a huge fan of, this, of the game. I, I, and if you've watched this show for any amount of time, you know, I'm a huge soccer fan. I'm a huge Chelsea supporter. Like I am a huge soccer fan. The U S soccer program is embarrassing. It is embarrassing. It is humiliating. It is not even like the first time I ever went to England. I got mocked for being an American soccer fan. That's how bad it is. That's how bad it is. Christian Pulisic now failing, falling on his face at Chelsea. Just another one in a long line. Right? I, it, yeah, anyway. Duane Boone. Duane Boone says USA has to beat Iran tomorrow to stay alive and advancing into the next round. Yeah, they do. And again, it's not the player's fault that this happened. They had nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Nothing yeah. at all. Uh, Jaron Eccles said, what a disappointing act from the program. We're better than that. We should be. I don't think in soccer we are. I don't think we are. You know. Um, Ruff's official. Oh God. The woke virtue signaling until there are repercussions. Yeah, that's actually not wrong. Well, we're going to be woke and stand up for the women. Oh, you guys are upset. No, we didn't stand up for the women. What women? But no one's going to disrespect me. What women in particular were you referring to, sir? Our, our U S women's national team players that have to play on experimental turf to see how bad the injuries will be. Saudi stooge. Yeah, those women. Yep, Eric C. Exactly right. Every time Ruff's in the chat, get your popcorn out. Exactly right. 
Exactly right. You know, uh, Boyd Lake says we've lost the sense that other people in other countries don't see things exactly like we do and deserve cordial treatment. Even if we disagree on a worldview, we need good ambassadors, not insulters. Well, and I think there is absolutely space to support Iranian women. What's going on, like you look at this stuff going on in China. I don't know how many people are mm. following what's going on in China and the lockdown protests and the fact that the workers at a Foxconn factory rioted and destroyed the factory and are probably costing Apple multi-billions of dollars a day in iPhone sales. You look at what's going on in China, you look at what's going on in Iran, and the bravery and the... Willingness to die for what you believe in. We would never do that here. We would never do that here. I mean, it's... For what women in Iran are fighting for and dealing with, it's unbelievable. And then they just disappear them from the earth. They, oh, you protested? Okay, we're going to kill you. That's what they're dealing with in Iran. So there's absolutely space for the, the largest democracy, supposedly, that's a rough official conversation, but the largest, best democracy in the world to support women in Iran. Not through our soccer federation who doesn't support women in the U.S. Yeah. That's not it. That's not, that's not it. And don't tell me it is because it's not. They have never supported women. They have never. And the other problem is we, again, I agree with Boyd. I think your best point there is we are terrible ambassadors around the world. We're hypocrites and liars. That's what we are. Let's be honest. From a diplomacy standpoint, you know, like Grandpa Joe and, you know, Donnie before him. And I mean, we, we're embarrassing on the world stage. It, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, Eric C says, MLS is still so young to be judged against the big leagues in the world. So, okay. So what does age have to do with Apple TV and not having local broadcasters? Not, how am I going to listen to a, an MLS game involving Real Salt Lake and not get to watch David James. Bonnie, please. What sense does that make? What sense does that make? What sense does that make? You know, like I I just, that makes no sense to me. You know, Uh, Provo Cougar fan says, reduce the size of the goal by 75%. Remove the goalie and enlarge the semicircle around the goal as a no-go zone, and maybe soccer will be watchable. Soccer is very watchable. Yeah, you're you're, you're just a hater. Yeah. Tom says, little bit different sort of oppression. Your fallacy is false equivalency. What do you mean? What does that mean? I don't know what you mean. Uh, Eric C. also says, it's only because we Americans aren't the best at it and it's not relevant. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And the sad thing is, the women's program is the best in the world. But we make them play on experimental surfaces. We don't pay them as well. We don't travel them charter. You know, we essentially make them Uber across oceans. (laughs) Yeah. It's really bad. It's really bad. Mike Maple says, Monty, have you seen the FIFA doc on Netflix yet? I have not. I have the fact that, listen, the fact that we're playing a World Cup in Qatar. And by the way, did anybody, how come nobody's talking about the fact that the World Cup is in November? Do you know why the World Cup's in November? Because you can't play World Cup soccer in the summertime in Qatar. 
because you will die. Yeah, the whole concept of it being in Qatar is annoying as well. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. They, we, it should not be there. But this is see. Come but on. this is the whole whole hypocrisy in FIFA. I mean, you know, oh yeah, let's kick the Americans out of the tournament for this joke of an action that they did. But we're but no one is here to say, hey, how in the hell is the World Cup in Qatar? Why is it not in London? Why is it not in Germany? Why, Why is, is it, it not in again? We tried to get the like, United States dude. tried to get the World Cup, and if you believe the allegations, it's because multiple decision makers at FIFA were paid a million dollars each. That's not a secret. They were paid a million dollars each for their vote. And somehow, some way, Qatar, one of the richest, wealthiest countries on the planet, got the World Cup. Funny and, how that works. And these guys got a million bucks each, allegedly. You know. But then, but then FIFA... It's, we don't want to talk about that FIFA is, you know, corrupt. Like, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Th like, that's why I say, on one hand, I completely agree with everything you're saying. On the other hand, my biggest problem is not even that we did this. My biggest problem is that we, we stepped off of it, right? Like, you can't go half in on something like this. And that, to me, is the fundamental issue. Like, yes. agreeing or disagreeing, like, whether you like or, or, or dislike what they did here, the biggest problem is that you weren't fully committed in it. Like you have to just be fully committed. The players, the like the players, should have known. Like it should have been an organizational wide thing. But again, that just goes right back to the men's program is a joke. It always has been, the, and it always will the be. The U.S. Dude. Soccer Federation is an embarrassing, yeah, embarrassing so, organization. And then we want to sit here and we want to wonder why, why, why things like Apple TV happen or why why MLS is is tiny. Like, yeah. we do. Yeah, I don't know. RRR uh, says, but you could build those stadiums in the summer. Yeah, and hundreds and thousands of people have died building stadiums in, in heat that you just have no business doing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's crazy. The Monty Show presented by The Advocates, utahadvocates.com. Uh, I just think it's it's terrible. It's why... Last week when people were talking about, hey, you know, why aren't you guys paying attention? Like, I'm paying attention, but it's hard for me to be passionate about this tournament when it's in Qatar in November. It, it is. You, uh, you built all of these venues that are just going to be holes in the ground now. I, I just, the whole thing is bothersome to me. Yep. It is really bothersome to me. A couple more. Jaron Eccles says, did you guys already talk about Lamar Jackson's tweet? Just go, uh, go out and uh, just got out of a work meeting. We did not, and I want to make sure that I get it right. Um, so how good is Lamar Jackson? He's an MVP caliber quarterback. He's not a Super Bowl winner, and there's a big difference. Yeah, he is. Um, he's a guy. Uh, he is a guy. I don't know. Um, so he tweet, somebody tweeted at him and said, when someone is asking for over $250 million guaranteed like Lamar Jackson, games like this should not come to Justin Tucker, the kicker. Um, let Lamar walk and spend the money on well-rounded teams. Lamar yeah. Jackson replied to that tweet and said, boy, STFU, shut them up. Um, you'll y'all be capping too much on this app, MF, or never smelt a football field, never did S, but eat a D. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, oh, there there is man, that, dude. <laughs> there is that. Um, it's low cash. It's uh, you know, with all due respect to Lamar, I love watching the guy play football, but it's low cash. Like you got to be better than this. And 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 this is why I say like when you when you think about Kyler Murray and you compare Kyler and Lamar to the greats like Tom Brady or or any uh, like the Eli Mannings or like you know any of the prior generation guys. Twitter wasn't a thing for these guys, man. And in like press conferences and media and Twitter and like you can't do what he did. You know, you can't you just can't do it. No, you, you can't. can't. By the way, news flash, if Twitter didn't exist, the what we just talked about with the soccer team wouldn't have happened. But I and I would agree with that. Like But what do I always say about quarterbacks? At some point, look at my hey. guy Justin Herbert yesterday. Yep. Yep. That's my dude. Everybody here knows it. Sex machine, Justin Herbert. Yeah. Justin Herbert threw them to a win. Justin Herbert, not only did his coach believe in him so much throwing the football that he allowed him to throw the ball down the field multiple times and carry the team to what should have been a game-tying touchdown. Not only did he do that, but he said, no, we're not going to tie the game. I'm going to have you throw a two-point conversion so we can win the game and stay in the playoff picture. Thanks. Does anybody believe that Lamar Jackson can do anything of the sort that Justin Herbert did in that game for the, the L.A., not San Diego, because our owners are dicks, Chargers? No. No. Oh. At some point, Justin Fields. At some point, Lamar Jackson. At some point, Jalen Hurts. You're going to have to stand in the pocket and make a really important throw accurately in time and space. And Lamar Jackson can't do it. And I get it. You're frustrated. You lost again. You're getting exposed. They don't want to pay you. You don't have an agent. You're your own agent. So telling people to eat a D on Twitter, you don't have, somebody, respect. You don't have somebody to say no. So let's get real clear about what Lamar Jackson is. He's a subpar thrower of the football. Right. He's an amazing runner. He's a terrible businessman, and he doesn't have anybody to tell him no. <clears throat> because all good, all good businessmen in the NFL are, are not on Twitter during the season. <clears throat> and when they are, it's because they're, they're, they're pushing a product. Yeah. Red Bull. Whatever. They're not responding to people tweeting at them. Lamar Jackson is not a professional. That's what Lamar Jackson is not. If we're being really honest, Lamar Jackson, it isn't that he can't throw the football. I'm not paying Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson's not a professional. Yeah. That's the problem. And the simple fact is he's frustrated because he's not good enough to carry that team. He's frustrated because they're losing. He's frustrated because performances like yesterday and losses like yesterday, and when you look at where Baltimore is and you start to understand the playoff picture, Baltimore is going to have to be very, very, very good, in my opinion, to, to stay where they are. And the only reason that they could make the playoffs is they own the tiebreaker over Cincinnati. But you're a four-loss team now in a conference where you're, you're behind a team like the Miami Dolphins who didn't accidentally beat you. Yeah. You're behind a Tennessee Titan team 
who's, who's better than you. And the real truth is all of those teams have better quarterbacks than you do. By the way, Trevor Lawrence threw his team to a victory yesterday. I don't know if anybody missed that, but, uh, you know. You can't lose to Jacksonville and call yourself one of the best teams in football. And I, I'm not saying that 16 of 32, 254 and a touchdown is bad and, and then 14 for 89 on the ground is bad. It's not. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. That's the biggest problem. When Trevor Lawrence goes 29 of 37, 321 and three scores, yeah, it's not good enough. You've got, you've got to outplay every week in this league. This is the Aaron Rodgers discussion. And I can only say this so many flipping times. Aaron Rodgers is overrated. It was awesome on Twitter last <coughs> night watching the Aaron Rodgers as an Iron Man. Look at this guy. He's a warrior. <laughs> it was great to see Packer fans go from this guy's a warrior to I told you he sucks and we should be playing Jordan Love. Where is A.A. Ron right now? Because Aaron Rodgers has, oh, he's got a broken thumb. What a warrior. Oh, he's got a broken rib. What a warrior. To Jordan Love throwing a touchdown pass and all of a sudden he's everybody's All-American. Some shit happened. Because Aaron Rodgers <laughs> has always been overrated. Aaron Rodgers has never been that guy. And I look at Lamar Jackson and I simply say, you want to be the highest paid, most well-compensated quarterback in the NFL, you can't complete 62% of your passes. Yeah. You, you, that's just not going to be good enough. You're not enough. that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. Right? You're, you're, that's just not good enough. The truth about Lamar Jackson is I don't trust him to stand in the pocket and deliver a football. Yeah. I do not. He has regressed as a passer. He has not progressed as a passer. If you look at all the stats that matter, he's only got 17 touchdowns. He's only got seven interceptions. Well, that's because he's only thrown the ball 322 times. Are we, are we really going to have a discussion about how nobody wants to tell Lamar Jackson no except the Baltimore Ravens? Let's settle this right now. Because my guy doesn't have an agent. So nobody is telling him, yeah, you know, you probably should. You, you, pause, bro, pause. You know, when Tom Brady's got 150 more attempts than you do, okay, <laughs> Best quarterback in the NFL, throw Tom Brady out. Okay. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has 140 more attempts than you do. Yeah. Pat Mahomes, 120 more attempts than you do. Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Verticality, Trevor Lawrence. Like those are Lawrence, prolific names, right? Derek Carr, like Jacoby Brissett. They trust Jacoby Brissett more than the Ravens trust you. I trust Jacoby Brissett more. Jared Goff. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, who's only played in nine games. You've played in 11. Matt Ryan has 30 more <coughs> attempts than you did. And it, 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 it is simple math. You're not complete. You, you want to be paid like the highest quarterbacks in the NFL. Geno Smith is competing, completing 73% of his passes. Yeah. You're not that guy. Okay, Tua Tungavailoa has played nine games, 70% passer. Yeah, by the way, dude's had a hell of a season. Joe Burrow, 68% passer. Dak Prescott, who's a mediocre quarterback at best, 68% passer. 
Matthew Stafford, who's been playing with injuries all year, 68% passer. Jimmy Garoppolo, who if you're a 49er fan, thank God they did not cut or trade you. Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo. 67%. Justin Herbert, 67%. Jalen Hurts, arguably the NFL MVP at this moment in time, 67%. Jalen Hurts or, or... Lamar Jackson. I'm taking Jalen Hurts. He's a better thrower of the football. All day. Like this this thing with with Lamar Jackson, and the reason we're talking about this is he dropped an a, a, a horrendous tweet on a guy. But no one's gonna disrespect me. And all of those stats to say, Lamar, you're just not a professional. Yeah. That's the problem. It's not that you're a terrible quarterback, because you're not. You're just not a professional. That's the issue that I have with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Bottom line, Ken Williams says, wait a minute, is football not a team sport? Jackson doesn't catch passes, he throws the ball and is a great runner, or does he play defense? I have not once spoken about their defense. What does their defense have to do with it? We're talking about Lamar Jackson. Don't change the subject. Lamar Jackson has plenty of weapons. You're telling me that Trevor Lawrence, like his defense is as good as the Ravens' defense? Come on now. Defense has nothing to do with it. Trevor, the reason that yesterday happened is because Trevor Lawrence is a pass-first guy. What does that mean? Hey, by the way, that that defense you're talking about was like it's just not of consequence. They were they gave it up yesterday. As much as Lamar didn't perform, like I just I get tired of hey we're talking about Lamar not being able to pass, which he can't really pass. Right? He had one clutch pass. Late in the game, I'm with you, but he's not some prolific passer as we just talked about. Let's not get distracted here, man. This is not about defenses. This is about dude wanting to get paid and not deserving it. It's that simple. And I agree that Marvin Jones making one of the best touchdown catches I've ever seen with 14 seconds left was incredible. I agree with that. But you had opportunities. You you had... Uh, you went to your quarterback or your kicker for a 67-yard field goal attempt. That he almost made, by the way. What does that say <laughs> about your offense? You don't trust Lamar Jackson to throw the ball down the field to, to, to hey, guy. Dude, you're, if you're going to put Lamar Jackson it's in the two-minute, the game's it's over. The, it's not about the defense. Yeah. What I'm trying to tell you is it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. You should have never been there. The hard part is it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. The hard part is you're only in the playoffs now. Granted, you're seven and four. You're leading your division. Okay, I'm with you on that. What is your confidence level on the Baltimore Ravens at seven and four when you have and, and remember who their four losses are to? The Dolphins, the Bills, the Giants, and now the Jags. So you're you lost to three really good teams. Right, And if you look at the Giants, I'd remind you that was all. You could blame that on the defense. But Lamar didn't exactly have like a record-setting day. It's 17 of 32. 17 of 32. Dude. 210 yards. A touchdown and interception. A QBR of 59. Right? You, you, come on. He's got one of the best pass-catching tight ends in football. Yeah. 
Dude, the issue is, is that Lamar can't throw them to victories. Mm-hmm. That's the issue, right? A couple more on this. Um, Alex Chacon, good morning, sir. Trevor Lawrence has had maybe two good games since he came into the league. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, but here's the deal. What, you, what you're missing is that Trevor Lawrence is developing. Trevor Lawrence had to go through Urban Meyer, now gets a new coach. They have a better culture there now, and he's starting to perform. Do you understand that Trevor Lawrence, I think, had like 58 seconds or whatever it was left to, to go down the field and win the game? Yep. Like, it's not like the guy had all this time. And and they're letting him just throw these out routes to the sidelines. So while I agree... And by the way, what was he doing? He was running a two-minute offense. Yeah, like just and moving down the field. Three of the throws that they made were like pivotal throws. Now, again, I'm just saying that that... that I mean, the, Trevor Lawrence made some great throws, but that catch by Jones was unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I just keep... I just keep going back to that. And Doug Peterson, I think, has done a great job of turning that around. Dude, the throw to win, the throw in the conversion was his best throw of the day, in my opinion. That has to be on the money, no room for error, right to the pylon. And it was there in a perfect spiral. Like, I just, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Maybe the, we're the, haters. The Baltimore but... Ravens offense is dink and dunk. Yeah. That's what it is. Hey, I think he averaged six yards uh, per throw or per reception yesterday. I mean, that's it. That's who you are. I, I, what, anyway, Ron Nolan says, what about Zach Wilson? He's done as a Jet. Yeah, he's done. He's done as a Jet. I mean, it, it, it's it's as simple as that. I mean, I think he is a – I think I – think, Zach Wilson's a guy that his arrogance has come back to haunt him. That's it, Skippy. I mean, he—it's he, not like, it's not like you're getting replaced. Trust me, I watched every minute of that check game yesterday, and Mike White actually balled out. He played really well, played really, really well. And the problem, and this is what you can't get away from, even if you're a Zach Wilson supporter—they have weapons on the Jets. Yeah. You know, you, you look at Garrett Wilson, you look at Elijah Moore, um, you know, I mean, you ran for five yards a carry with, with you know, Zonovan Knight. I five mean, yards a carry, dude. That's that's halfway to the sticks on first down. And what like, happened? Come on. Mike White went 22 at 28, 315, three touchdowns, no interceptions. QBR'd at 91.7. But we're supposed to pay Lamar Jackson $250 million. No, it's not happening. Well, and Zach Wilson's a great example of this. You're committed to that guy for, what, two more years? Y'all feel me? You're not going to pick up his fifth year. It's over for him. It's over for him. He will need Mike White to get injured, and he will somehow need to get back into Robert Salah's good graces. You know, like this is the – like I also look at the thing in Arizona yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I see, and I know this was one of the most controversial calls in football yesterday. The Chargers marched down the field, and they score a touchdown to make it 24-23 on just a, a really good drive by Justin Herbert. Now, why did Brandon Staley go for two? Because his job's on the line. And he knows that if they if they lose this game to the Cardinals, their season is over at five and six. Their season's over. So he has a guy in Justin Herbert who on that last drive, I will just remind you again, was nails 
throwing from the pocket, orchestrating a two-minute offense. And the two-point conversion throw was incredible. The Eckler touchdown throw was incredible. Yeah, and that's the thing with Herbert. He's He has a, a just great touch. But, he but has understanding. It was Austin Eckler, who's good, not great. The throw on the two-point conversion was the stuff of legends because his, his coach believed in him. I love the two-point call. I was screaming for him to go for two when I was watching it. But you look at Cliff Kingsbury and you look at Brandon Staley, those guys were absolutely coaching for their jobs yesterday. And it's unfortunate one of them had to lose. The Arizona Cardinals are going to wind up firing Cliff Kingsbury at four and eight. And you have to believe that you're going to, you're going to take a look at a guy like a Sean Payton. You're going to look, you're, you're, if you're in Arizona, you're going to hire a veteran head coach. Have to. Because you've got too much money now tied up in Kyler Murray. And you have spent a ton of money on DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown. And you got to find a way to win games. You now, should be so much better. But you should be way better. But Kyler Murray's not that guy. He's not a guy who can throw you to a championship, in my opinion. Oddly enough, you want to know what's something eerily similar between Lamar Jackson and, and verticality? Kyler Murray, they both averaged yesterday 6.6 yards per completion. Verticality, 18 to 29, 191 yards, two scores and a pick. 18 to 29, 17 to 35. Like, there, it, you either, it, and this is why I, I pointed to this game. 35 of 47 for Justin Herbert. 274, three scores, no picks. He led them, four of 38 on the ground. Huge run on that final drive. Huge run. They were so worried about him throwing the football down the field they dropped in the zone and he took off and ran for, I think it was 23 yards down the right sideline. That's who Lamar Jackson needs to be, but he's not capable. So they should let him walk. Yeah. Or trade him. I'd tag him and trade him. That's what I would do. I would tag him and trade him. Yeah. Without question. All right. Uh, Alex Chacon says Herbert and his myriad of all pro receivers. All pro receivers? Bro. Guy, are you serious? His myriad of all pro receivers. DeAndre Carter is not an all-pro receiver, leading receiver yesterday. Austin Eckler, number two, is, a, is an undersized running back. 11 uh, catches, 60 yards. Joshua Palmer? Who? Somebody pull out um, his resume. Joshua Palmer, five for 56. Keenan Allen, fourth receiver on the, on the team, five for 49. Gerald Everett, four for 18. Joshua Kelly, two for 16. Isaiah Spiller, one for two. You have one, maybe two names. Listen, I'm Keenan Allen is a hell of a receiver who can't stay healthy, so he's not really a hell of a receiver anymore. Um, now, I will say that Carter, Palmer, and Gerald, Gerald Everett is a, is a really good receiver of the football, and I will again say that he caught that, that, that two-point conversion on a really nice route. But I'm, I, you're, you have to be sarcastic. You've got to be sarcastic. The team that's got all the wide receivers is, is Arizona. Hopkins, Marquise Brown, Robbie Anderson. Come on, A.J. Green. That's a team that's got a ton of weapons and doesn't do anything with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, Ron Nolan says, Monty and Jake, great show. Great voices, knowledgeable content. Your spot is... Uh, it, your pot is always stirring, entertaining, somewhat funny. You guys don't eat D. I'm surprised you don't have more following. Well, we've got 8,000 subs. 
I mean, is that not good anymore? I mean, hell no. I mean, I. I mean, I know that you know we're not, you know, we're 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 just the YouTube hacks. So yeah. you know, we we don't we eight thousand seventy four. By the way, if we get to nine thousand by the time the Cavs come or by, uh, that's a lie. If we get to nine thousand by the first of the year, uh, you will have an opportunity to win. Uh, a chance to go to a jazz game with Jake and I. See, I'm going to the game alone tonight against the Bulls. I offered to go. I offered to go. I asked what, well, I, fucking what happened the other day when I said you want to go? I was tired that day and said I didn't want to go, but now I'm not tired and I do want to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Suck it. Anyway, <laughs> the point is the point is I, I just put the Lamar tweet on you. Anyway, um, the point is um, um if if we get to nine thousand subscribers <laughs> by the first of January, we will take two listeners to the Jazz Cavs game with us. We will do it in a black car and we'll buy you a custom jazz jersey or if you want, you know, a marketing jersey. If you want to finish with a marketing jersey. Bonnie, please. Finish flash. Like See what he did there? From Finland. Uh, whatever you want. Any jersey you want in the jazz team store, it's yours. All we have to do is get to 9,000 subs. Everybody that's friends. here right now, 110 people watching the show right now. Everybody give us a thumbs up. That would really help the show grow. Uh, appreciate you guys uh, for doing that. Uh, Tanner says, I agree, Boyd. It's too early for him to be wrote off. My gut tells me he's going to be bounced back. Um, let's see. Boyd Lake says, Troy Aikman and Zach Wilson have nearly identical first 20-game stats. The only problem was Troy Aikman was on the Dallas Cowboys. I don't see that. there. One, Zachy Poo's on the Jets. Two, when you bounce around, you're, you, you're going to be Mitch Trubisky. You're going to wind up. He's a career backup now. That's they it. let you down. That's who he is. And A, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. B, he hasn't been good at throwing the football, which is important as a quarterback. And C, he's going to be a career backup now. He's a bum. I, I mean, there. I don't see any other way he comes out of that. Uh, Tom says, Lamar on the Jets would be amazing. They'd be awesome. Okay. Okay. Uh, only 11 likes, guys, really? Is it really only 11 likes? Come on now. Uh, we have 38 likes. Well, that's true. We've had over a thousand views on the show and we only have 38 likes. My bad. Uh, <laughs> Herbert and his myriad of all pro receivers. I read that one. Alex, don't talk about the defense, LOL. Okay. Um, Alex also says, wait, how do you enter that contest, Monty? I had to work when you guys were at the restaurant in Ogden. Uh, all you have to do is be subscribed to the channel and you have to hit like every day and for the rest of your life. And if you want to take a picture and current jazz attire and tweet at us, that may or may not help your chances. Could be. Uh, Tanner T says, love a little extra innings today. Are we? Oh, yeah. Wow, it's 920. Yeah. I didn't even realize it was 920. Uh, Tanner says, uh, but the Jets are good now, Mont. They have a good system. Zach can thrive if he keeps working on his craft. Well. Yeah, but the problem is the arrogance. Like you were saying, like the guy likes himself some Zach Wilson. That's the problem. And I don't think they want him to thrive. I think they're out on him. I think Robert Salah's out on Zach Wilson. Yeah. I don't think they have their franchise quarterback on the on the roster. What, Mike White's not going to get the job done? Well. Come on. You know, this is the, the problem we have with the Bears. Everybody's all in love with, you know, Justin Fields. Right. And I just point to the San Francisco 49ers, who won 13-0 yesterday. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a pretty mediocre, mediocre quarterback most of the time. Still got a dub. And they're thankful they have him. Yeah. They're thankful they have him. So, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I I look at that win by the Raiders yesterday. Sensational. 
I, I don't know what more you want from and it'd be nice if Derek Carr didn't throw interceptions. They're a better team than four and seven. They are. And Josh uh-huh. Jacobs is a stud, 33 for 229 and two scores. I want to say they're running a better team overtime, than the record, dude, but there are some times are. where I'm like, dude, what are we doing? You're telling you're telling me you don't believe that they're better than their record. I think that I think that they're not some I don't think they're eight, nine wins good right like right now. Like if things had broken a little differently, oh, I think they could be on. a five hundred team. But like I, I, I you don't just look, the assumption was that oh, we're gonna bring in Devontae and all of a sudden our problems are gonna be solved. That's not how it works in the league, man. You have to have their like, schedule, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the Raiders. Uh, Chargers at the Rams, Patriots at the Steelers, 49ers, Chiefs. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck, Josh. Good Lord. Derek Carr is going to – all I'm saying is Derek Carr is going to wind up somewhere. Yeah. I think they're going to – yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to – yeah. He'll get his chance. We shall see. All I'm saying is that I think – I think – I just don't see Zach, Zach having a career. I don't. I really know. Tanner says, let's be honest. Zach is playing poorly because of all of the moms, but I'm confident that he's going to bounce back. Well, you know, no, I'm not oh going to. Oh my be- God. Just I like knew that. it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And I wasn't yes, yes. going to do it. No, no, no. Uh, I don't get the hate. The 49er fan base has towards Jimmy G. It doesn't make sense. It does make sense. He's a mediocre quarterback. The ultimate game manager. Yeah. He's a mediocre quarterback. Yeah. Cody Strickland says, do you guys want your yearly calendar from me? Well, your yearly calendar. I, well, you, did you forget what he did last year? No. Yeah. So Cody Strickland, we did a contest. Oh, that's right. And Cody Strickland posed in the nude. Uh, not quite in the nude, but uh, posed in front of a Christmas tree to win an Xbox, I believe it was. So he's asking if we'd like his 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 yearly beach bikini, you know, calendar. Yeah. What I'd like is for you to hit the like button right now. That's what yes, I'm, like. yes, now yes. I'm fixated on it. Uh, up to 42 likes. At least get us to 50 likes. Eight more people right now. Just, just come do on. It. Just do it. Yes, Cody. We want. We want. We want it all. We want Whoa. it all. We want it all. Uh, what NFL team would take Zach Wilson as their starting quarterback? The I well, and we talk. No, the Bears have their starting quarterback now for generations. <laughs> um, the Dolphins no. <laughs> Bills no. Jets no. Patriots no. Ravens, Bengals, Browns, Steelers no. Maybe the Steelers. Doubt it. Titans, Colts, Jags. Nope. Colts, maybe. Uh, Texans, always looking for a quarterback at one and nine. Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Broncos. Uh, I don't know. Did you see? Mm. <laughs> Eagles, no. Cowboys, no. Giants, no. Commanders, yeah, probably. Vikings, no. Lions, no. Packers, well, Lions, maybe. Packers, mm. potentially. Bears, no. Bucks, no. Falcons, no. Well, Falcons, eh. they're going to draft. Uh, Panthers have like 11 draft picks at quarterback. Saints, yes. Niners, maybe. Seahawks, Geno. Arizona, verticality. The Rams, Stafford. <laughs> verticality. <laughs> Not many. There's, I mean, he could, he'll be a bad, he's going to have to do it as a backup. Yeah. He's going to have to hope that somebody absolutely gets decimated by bone dust. And then I'm sorry. Did you say bone dust? Yeah, I said bone dust. Yes. Riley O'Brien, the lions make some sense. Uh, Tanner Plummer says Jimmy G is a game manager that got the 49ers to a super bowl in an NFC title game. Yeah, so but that's cool, but, but they didn't win. Yeah. Like what is he, you know, like, you got to win. With all due respect is Jim, uh, 
people. <clears throat> how, how, why, why is this such a topic in my life right now? <laughs> you cannot be happy with where you've been when you have never been to where you want to go. The 49ers want to win Super Bowls. You probably aren't doing that with Jimmy G. That's just the facts of the case. In a down year in the NFC, in a down year, they're 7-4, and four, and they're only a game up on Geno and the Hawks. Arizona's 4-8, and eight, the Rams are 3-8. and eight. But it, it, you're only, you're only, are you better than Tampa? You're probably not. Are you better than Minnesota? You're probably not at nine and two. Minnesota's probably second only to Philadelphia right now at 10 and one. But who are you better than if you're the 49ers? Are you better than the Dallas Cowboys? I don't know. I don't know. Your defense is better than the Cowboys defense, but the Cowboys defense is pretty good. Yeah. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, I think you feel pretty good about where you're at. You've won two in a row here. You beat the Vikings 40 to 3. Yeah, stomp them. And then you beat the Giants. The problem is for the 49ers is they won a Super Bowl with Jimmy G as their quarterback, but he wasn't the reason they won the Super Bowl. No. And and the problem is is that he's not a long-term solution. So if you're going to sit here and you're going to talk about well, Jimmy G took them to the Super Bowl. He didn't take them anywhere. Jimmy G, I will give Jimmy G his credit that I think is due. The guy is a the ultimate game manager, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. He is not some big-time hotshot quarterback, but what he is is consistent. They right? didn't win a Super Bowl, by the way, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Did they win? He didn't yeah, win. Yeah, no. 2017. Did they really? Yeah, against the Chiefs. Okay. No, I don't think so. I could be wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm like. I could. And hey, maybe you're right. And I'm looking again, it up. The, the point is, is 31 that, to 20. They went to a Super Bowl. No, no. Sir, just Google search. Does Jimmy Garoppolo have out like. The answer is no. Jimmy, they got beat by the Chiefs. I'm. Pretty sure he's got one with the Niners. No. I know he's got one with the Pats as a backup. Right. But, but not he, but not as a not as a Am I miss, am I total I could be totally wrong about this. He was on the 3428 team. Yeah. And then his other one was yeah, was over the Seahawks, 28-24. He does not have a Super Bowl with the 49ers. You're high as a kite. Look, I understand that the Timberwolves play in the East. Okay. Okay, we, we get it. Here we go. He does not. He he is not. The Chief, yeah, thank you, Riley O'Brien. The Chiefs won. Tom says the 49ers seem good with a game manager at QB. I'd run with Jimmy G until they find a QB that can beat him out in practice. That's exactly right. And thank God they didn't trade him because but again, this goes back to Trevor Lance. Trey Lance. Or Trey Lance. Trey Lance was never going to be a good quarterback. Not right out of the box. And yet you were willing to cast off Jimmy G. I did. They're only good now because of Jimmy G, but they're not good enough. I That's just what I think. Uh, Tanner oh. says, that's a fair point, but do you think San Francisco can win a Super Bowl with Trey Lance? No. No, they don't. No, they can't. Look, I look. you're in the worst spot you can be in sports in, in, in the sense that you're good enough to get to the Super Bowl, 
but you're not good enough to win it because no. to win the Super Bowl, the X factor is your quarterback. Can your quarterback bring you back from 28 to 3? Can your quarterback do incredible things that no one else can do? And the answer is no. And and I'm sorry, but Jimmy G is not that guy. He's just not. But at the same time, if you, you want to be really brutally honest about it, the 49ers would be stupid to let him go because every single year they get to the NFC Championship game and lose, they've made a bunch of money for the organization, and the organization's in a really good spot, and you're putting butts in seats. That's what that's what no one wants to say. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, I, I mean, I guess, yeah. Ken Williams says Minnesota has the worst D in the league. No, they do not. Minnesota does not have the worst defense in the league. Uh and the number they're not what they're not Arizona they're better than Arizona better than the, they're certainly better than my Chicago Bears what yeah, are we even talking on. about yeah so you have no frame of reference here Don they're better than the Packers they're certainly better than than um I don't know I'd probably take them over the Chargers defense which was trust me they're better than the Browns by the way anybody see Deshaun Watson plays next week for the Browns you know it is he's nice. just a hack Ron Nolan says, no diss, just found you guys on YouTube. 10,000 subs would be awesome, but Trent and Allie have 246,000 subs. Who's Trent what and Allie? I don't even know about, what you're dude. talking about. Yeah, what are you talking about, bro? They're van lifers. We do sports talk every day, dude. What, like, okay. what, what, like with all due respect, what are you talking about? Uh, 49ers should re-sign Jimmy, then trade Zach Wilson for Trey Lance. Let Zach develop under Shanahan. Well... But Shanahan's the same guy who signed off on Trey Lance, who just wasn't ready. I mean, I think what we're learning about Jordan Love is the same thing that we're learning about Trey Lance. You need time. Yes. You need time. You can't draft a guy who went to your mom's community college and theology real. and then think he's going to step in and be a great NFL quarterback. The same logic with the Jazz, dude. They need time. Yeah. By the way, uh, check out our friends at TridayTrading.com. Speaking of the Utah Jazz, all our NBA and basketball talk on this show presented by Triday Trading. Um, stop complaining about your job. Start living your life. You're looking for a side hustle. Stop doing Amazon crates, Amazon FBA. Stop doing, you know, Grubhub driving or Uber. Get to trydaytrading.com. Did you know that day trading is a prolific income? And every day, at Triday Trading, there are people making $1,000 who went through their program. So if I said to you, hey, this week, you could make $5,000 in the next five days. Are you going to make more or less than that between all of your income? You're going to make $5,000 this week. If you're not, you need to go to TridayTrading.com slash Monty and watch the free webinar. That's all we're asking you to do. Watch the free webinar. Tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. And make a decision because I think what you're going to see is that Triday Trading is absolutely your ticket out of the daily grind. Stop waiting on those paychecks, man. What do I always tell you? A paycheck is the drug they give you to make you forget your dreams. You don't have to do that anymore. Go to trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Before we get out of here, let's talk Bulls and Jazz tonight. Yeah. I will be at the game alone by myself. Fucking A. Um, that's what I'm saying. Um, Bulls are a two-point favorite. Yeah. The number's 234 against the Bulls tonight, 7 o'clock at the Viv. What do you think? I don't know who's going to stop DeMar in this game. It's my problem with this game for the Jazz. I don't know. Like, you're probably going to try your luck with Vanderbilt, I would guess, right? Like, 
That makes sense to me. DeMar's a mid-range player. Bando is that guy. Okay, great. Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, but Jordan Clarkson's not good enough defensively, in my opinion. Yeah, they're going to try a myriad of guys, let's be honest. But, you know, to me, you, you, that's that's the beginning and the end when you play the Chicago Bulls. If you allow DeMar to get going early in the first quarter, like if he's got, let's say that he's got 12 by the time the first quarter's over, you're in trouble in this game, right? If, if you can keep him five or six in the first quarter, you're fine. So, like, to me... What do I expect out of this game? I expect the Jazz to be rested and to run and run a lot and try to get a lot of easy baskets. And I would really, and again, this team has to do the little things better. I understand they're a young team, but they got to do these little things better. The pick and roll defense just across the board has to be better. And I'm talking straight to Vando, Beasley, in some instances, uh, Sexton, most atrociously THT off the weak side wing. Like they have to get better at these little things. And if they do that, they will win more of these games. But I'm telling you, stay positive on this team. You're losing to, the, to arguably the best team in the Western Conference, the Suns, by one point. Like you're a perfectly fine team right now. It's just a little stuff. That's it. Yeah, I love the, uh, I love the Bulls in this game. And I never say that. Um, we'll see if, uh, if Zach Levine decides he wants to play basketball today and I'm not promising you he does. He, he um, must be burned out. I'm, I'm, I'm even burned out on Zach. I mean, the guy is freaking fantastic. I mean, he is really, really good. Um, when he's, when he plays, but Zach yeah. Levine just, he doesn't play and it just, it sucks. So I, I love the bulls to, to win. I would take the bulls on the money line if I'm you, um, but let's see how the the Jazz come out. I mean, if they can if they can defend the corner three, um, I think they win this game because you know whether it's Kobe White or Io DeSumo, even Pat Williams loves that corner three. They shoot it a high percentage. You got to you got to make them go to the basket. And if you're the Utah Jazz, attack the basket. The Bulls can't defend the basket. Yeah, they cannot defend the rim. Go do that, and then you can win the game. And I think that's where I'm at on it. So okay. I'm going to say the Bulls 264. The Jazz 38. I think that's the final score. Uh, I'm going Jazz 120, 115. You think they're... You're a jerk. Uh, I'll say 117, 112. The Bulls will win the game. Okay. 117, 112. Boom. Done. Okay. Uh, thanks to everybody who uh, watched the show today. Please make sure you give us a thumbs up. That would really help the show. Come on, man. We're at 47 likes. Give me three more. Right now, today. Do it. Today, let's go. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors. Thank you for being here. Uh, other than that, um, yeah. I guess, is that it? Is the that's show it, it's 9.36? Yeah, is the show it. over? Yeah. All right, fine. Say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.